right, so we still don't have a title. Nope. But we're working on it. We'll get there. We will get there, but this is our first podcast that we've been talking about doing for a long time. So yeah. welcome to the show, Brent. Thank you, Stephen. It's, it's good to be here. <laughs> I'm sure you never thought you would one day actually sit with me and do this, but here we are. Never. I'm glad I finally made it on the show. There have been oh, man. so many episodes that I've listened to, and I just, I'm, I'm pinching myself. <laughs> oh, wow. So, well, listen, thanks for having not me. everybody gets a chance. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, basically, I'm Steven, and uh, I've known Brent for a little bit now. We've been friends for a little while, and we've been talking about doing kind of stuff like this for a while. We have lots of different projects we have tried over the years, uh, from music to comics, uh, movie ideas, a clown song at one point <laughs> that I recall quite vividly and hauntingly. We shot a, a Doritos commercial. Hell yeah, we did. That was good times. <laughs> That's something we actually accomplished. I like that. That's yeah. a good start. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully this uh, takes a, on a, a life of its own and becomes a bigger thing because it'd be really like, kind of fun to have these recordings and kind of go back and listen to them for ourselves and hopefully someone else finds some, some value in it as well down the road because that'd be kind of cool too. So Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. All okay. right, so... Um, the show basically is uh, just going to be about pop culture and, and everything that we enjoy. And it's just kind of recording our conversations because we have a lot of random conversations. We talk about a lot of random shit, and it's always kind of fun. So we've always thought that'd be cool to put that out to the world. So uh, we'll talk about movies or comics or music or whatever strikes our fancy, TV shows, stuff like that. So um, any type know, of basically any, right, any type of entertainment-related media, I'm sure, will eventually get brought up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because uh, we like a lot, a lot of different entertainment medias. So I'm sure we'll have a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, do you just want to get into the first review we're going to talk about today? Yeah. yeah let's, uh, let's jump into it. Cool. So uh, Britt and I um, unfortunately live far away. And uh, every once in a while we get together and we can watch a movie together. And we actually got to watch Baby Driver together, which is great because we haven't done that in a long time mm-hmm. to see a movie together. And uh, we got to see that at the uh, a plug here at the Warren Broken Arrow Theater, which was pretty spectacular. And uh, my first movie in Dolby Atmos, which is pretty cool because Baby Driver has an amazing soundtrack and sound design overall. So it was really cool to actually hear all the details and stuff of that, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, so the movie, what did you think? Oh, man, I loved it. <laughs> I really did. Um, and you and I had spoken before about what a Edgar Wright movie would be like without Simon Pegg or Nick Frost in it. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's Scott Pilgrim saves the world, or saves the world, or versus the world. I think it's versus the world, right? Versus the world. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim punches the world. And there you go. That's the one. <laughs> but that was a little bit different because it was it was based on a uh, graphic novel series. Yeah. And. Um, this was just all him, from what I understand. Like, he was the director and, uh, and writer of it. Did he have a co-writer on this? Or was it, was it all I think it? it was just him, as far as I know. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, like, all his thing, which is cool, because it's kind of like his other films, but also, like, the departure from the Simon Pegg, you know, Cornetto Trilogy universe yeah. um, type of thing. But, so, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of like Scott Pilgrim, but remove that and just, like, have his own thing going, which is pretty cool. Yeah. 
Um, I liked it a lot. I, <laughs> I really did. Um, yeah. I, I thought all of the uh, the music that was in there. I wasn't familiar with um, a lot of the music actually, but the mm-hmm. way that it fit into the overall film, I thought it was really well done, and uh, it kind of drives me to want to listen to those songs, which I think is yeah. probably like the best best case scenario. I mean, or stuff like yeah. That. Yeah, it's the same thing on a thing because one of the things I'll get into a little bit later when I talk about it is is um, how it kind of reminds me of Guardians of the Galaxy and that that soundtrack and and pulling on those old you know old things that I might have listened to or like uh, they both did a good job of pulling in songs that you might have heard once but mm-hmm. don't really recall and like you don't really hear them on the radio like on the old old school radio and you don't really look for them yeah and there's a lot that you never heard before like especially on the the baby driver soundtrack there's a lot of stuff that i've never heard before that yeah. I don't, you didn't recall so <laughs> or heard samples of in other songs and you yeah, didn't realize yeah. that's where <laughs> exactly. it came from at the beginning yeah, of the talked about yeah yeah at the beginning of the movie there's a sample that's like the opening what two or three seconds of house of pains jump around but yes, i I'd, yeah, I'd never yeah. heard the original song it came from so uh, that was kind of neat i know what it's it's almost jarring to hear it, which is yeah. weird because yeah. it's the original song. But to us, it's like, no, this doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time that I heard um, Queen's "Under Pressure," which is the same oh, baseline yeah. for uh, "Ice Ice Baby." But I, sure. I was too young; I wasn't familiar with that song, so I was like, "What is this? Who butchered? I know, I know. Who butchered Ice Ice Baby?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because that's actually like such a better song. The, not the, sorry, not the Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. The Queen song and the David Bowie song is like such a better song. But like when you first hear it, you're like, "Wow, this is really weird." I won't have you uh, diminish Ice Ice Baby. I am sorry. I didn't that, realize you had such an attachment. This podcast is over. Oh God! Wow, this <laughs> this lasted a whole like twenty twenty minutes, and by twenty minutes, I mean five. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, maybe we can move past that and uh, okay. you know agree to disagree. But uh, I'll try. Yeah. I'll so try. for this one though, I think it was cool. Like they, they had all these songs that were kind of interesting, and I hadn't really heard before, hadn't heard in a long time. And um, I mean, it was pretty much like you said. It was like you want to listen to them right afterwards. Like I, I looked up this soundtrack in the parking lot of the movie theater, <laughs> and I was like, uh, I need to listen to this on the way home, and I'm gonna yeah. drive really fucking fast. Because I have that adrenaline in me from that movie because it was so tense and it was so cool and this music pumped me up just as much as it did in the movie. I I remember hearing somebody mention um, that you know that's when you've seen a good car movie is whenever you go into the parking lot and get in your car yeah. you can't help but want to pill out you know oh absolutely that's um, funny yeah but they but they usually have a a couple of police cars in the Warren parking lot so. Probably not there a good go. idea to do that. You know, but, it's funny. I uh, remember I had someone tell me that a long time ago. Um, my cousin was really into cars years ago after the first Fast and the Furious movie came out, which is yeah. mind-boggling to think about, by the way, because they're on mm-hmm. eight now. But uh, And he talked about that. He was like, when everybody left, they were like peeling out of the parking lot. And he was like, be careful when you leave. You want to drive fast. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was fairly young still. And I was like, I don't, wasn't driving. I was like, sure, man. But... All these car movies, they really do that. Like, they get into your brain, and yeah. you're like, I got to drive fucking fast. Something Dude, about I it. am Tokyo Drift right now. <laughs> yeah. That is your license plate. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah, that's that's me, down to a T. Anybody who knows me, they know I'm Tokyo you're Drifting Tokyo all, the, all the way. All the way. My nickname's Tokyo Driftwood. Um, I so have never getting... called you that. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's just my dad. Mm. Um, so... 
getting back to the the music of it yeah. for people who have not seen the movie or don't really know the music isn't just like a background in, in the film yeah um it's not just kind of setting the emotion or the mood of a scene although it does that but like actions done in the movie are synchronized to oh my god the beat of the song it's like so good. The, the opening scene you said the opening like five minutes mm-hmm. is on on the internet, right? Oh, it's on YouTube, yeah, um, and it's fucking awesome. On YouTube, okay. <laughs> yeah. So if people are listening to this and they've never seen Baby Driver, don't really know what it is, a great example is that first scene. So go look it up on YouTube. But the way that car doors shut or to the beat of the song yeah. or, um, you know, all kinds of different things. There's it's a, like, and that man, first scene, the shotgun blasts in the, the bank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, match the beat, like everything. It's so, mm-hmm. it's genius yeah. and it's simplistic but wonderful. And it's, it's a, yeah, it's fun to watch. Are we are we getting into spoilers? Well, I was going to say I, I didn't know if we should just spoiler tag pretty much all of our, you know, podcasts because okay. I'm going to get into it. But yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Much. So, we'll we'll do that from uh, this point forward. <laughs> At least with this our final episode. Everybody knows it's, you know, a heist movie or whatever. But yeah, from from right. this point forward yes. for sure there are definitely spoilers. Okay. So, this isn't really a plot spoiler, but just assume there's going to be sp- Spoilers yeah. from here on out, yeah. but um, in the the opening, well, not the opening scene, but the scene after the first heist, the the driver is walking around, kind of uh, smooth walking to <laughs> some song that's <laughs> yes. playing. Yeah, that's um, the, the aforementioned song that begins with the jump around horn stabs, and uh, the background will have lyrics from the songs that he walks past. Mm-hmm. That, that pull up as, I, I don't even know how that's coordinated. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. My <laughs> mind can't wrap around it, but it's spectacular. I just thought it was cool that they found a location that had the lyrics already spray painted on them. What are as, the odds that I that know. happens? All of them, wow, too, which is like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. Well, uh, he really got lucky. <laughs> you mentioned that right after we saw the movie, and I actually didn't even notice that. I, I think I noticed like one specific section that he like stops in front of. Uh, some graffiti, mm-hmm. and it was like the lyrics, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But I was so in- involved in the whole movie that I didn't even notice all of it yeah. because there's just so much to look at in his films. Like, they're so filled with detail, you know? Yeah, there's there's a lot to, to chew on, and yeah. they reward repeat viewing. Oh, um, yeah, God, yeah. Yeah, especially that scene. Because I caught it yeah. about two-thirds of the way through that it had the lyrics in there, and I thought, oh, man, I missed so much. <laughs> I know, right? I so much. That's why I'm like, I need to watch yeah. it again because I need to catch all these things. Yeah. God, yeah. It's but, really cool. um, and that whole scene is just gorgeous, you know, because him, mm-hmm. like, smooth walking, I, I mean, I don't know what else you'd call it. He's kind of dancing yeah. through the streets or whatever, but it's he's just <laughs> yeah. walking, really. Like, he's just walking to, to a coffee shop. But, yeah, it's so genius and so simple, but um, all of it is it, it just, like, the style of it is just unlike anything else I've ever seen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they really did a great job with that. Um, the Well, do you want to get into the kind of the synopsis yeah, yeah, yeah. of it? Yeah. Do you want to discuss the rest of it? Do you want to do that? Do you want me to read it off? Or? Go for it. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't have anything to read, but basically, you know, the story, the story is like this kid who has tinnitus, so... He always has this ringing in his ears, so he just listens to music 24-7. And he has tons of iPods on him. He listens to them like mixtapes. He just has songs going all the time, and he knows all the lyrics to everything. He likes to match it to the beat and what he's doing. But in the midst of that, 
is a heist movie because he is a driver. He's just really good behind the wheel of a car. He uses the music to kind of fuel him um, in driving and kind of keep him on task almost, like keep him focused, basically. Um, so it's like him, this kind of kid who's like really into music and just kind of living life, and he's a happy-go-lucky kid, but he's in the midst of all these really like hardcore criminals and you know, try to do these bank robberies and he's like the getaway driver. So it's, it's a really, um, kind of like it's, it's a play on a lot of different car chase movies and heist movies. And it's a lot of like Edgar Wright, like he, he, he does a lot of, um, homages and stuff like that, but it's uniquely original as well at the same time. Like he has a good, good way to do that. And this movie is no exception than any of the other ones. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, basically my, my version of the, the plot. Yeah, yeah, that, that sums it up. Right on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, a, uh, it's a heist movie wrapped in a love story. Yeah, and there's that I too. Think. I didn't even think about um, mentioning that, but yeah. It's, a, it's kind of a, a combination of, of things. Um, and uh, like Stephen was saying, that he has tinnitus and you don't really get a whole lot of background information yeah. on him but you don't really need it either like I they, they give you what you need completely. and then you just kind of get caught up about you know, what's what's going on in the present yeah day. And i like that too that's another point i was going to bring up was that it um makes me think of the movies so like one that i brought up before was like guardians of the galaxy which is specifically only because of the music and then um some of the backstory you do get from him and and baby driver is that it involves his parents they were like in a car wreck when he was a child and that's kind of what started his tinnitus um so it brings in the car stuff but it's like he has like this music or like these recordings of his mom and that kind of reminds me of guardians too um because it's you know peter has his tapes from his mom and all that stuff in the classic music but that's really all the only similarity there um but then also like um, it has other things that it reminds me of that I just forgot. I'll we'll have to edit this out later. <laughs> that, uh, well, while, while you're while you're thinking of it, um, on, jumping back to what you were saying about the the different iPods that he has, they're they are iPods, but kind of like Guardians, they are out outmoded technology in that they're the original iPod with the the wheel. Yeah, the on them. wheel. Yeah. And, yeah, and they're like the the thicker bodies to them, not like the thin um, iPod shuffles or touchscreen iPods or anything like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, he had the different iPods, so I can only imagine oh, so they're good. loaded with like <laughs> several hundred songs, yeah. if not more, or thousands. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah kind of depending on what what he's what he's doing. Yeah, I like the idea because I heard that online that he uses some like mixtapes. Essentially, I heard that from uh, some interview with Edgar Wright that he was like. He keeps them all over his jacket, you know, and he has different ones for different moods. And I thought that was, like, such a unique idea, and I didn't even think about it. I didn't connect it, like you just said, that it's, like, an outmoded technology, just like a cassette tape is. Um, but nobody really uses an iPod anymore. Um, and it was really cool to kind of see someone that still liked it, and I realized, like, I just abandon that whole technology as soon as I could. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I, I love my click wheel iPod. That was awesome. Yeah, I know. I know. I loved it back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's still better than a Zune. We can <laughs> Absolutely, all agree. yeah. Oh, Zunes. Um, the, the characters in the movie are all really, they all really stand on their own. Like even like some of the side characters. Um, and I don't know if it was 
I'm going to assume it was intentional since it's Edgar Wright and he made this movie. Yeah. That uh, some of the, the bigger characters or what I would consider a bigger actors in the movie um, may not have as big of a role as I thought, uh, particularly uh, John Bernthal, oh, yeah. who is a pretty pretty big actor. Yeah. Um, to me, um, you know, he's the current Punisher. He was in uh, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like getting bigger and bigger. He's like showed up in movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he was in that uh, the the tank movie. Oh my god, the the David Ayer one. Um, oh, he was in uh, what's that called? Fury. <laughs> Fury. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, he's he's gaining some some traction, yeah. but really, he's just in like the first third of the movie, mm-hmm. um, and then that's the last you see him. I, I thought maybe he would like come back or whatever, like some of the other characters, yeah. but. Uh, he didn't. Um, well, I liked specifically. So I read something about that, and they were talking about his last line in the movie is like, "If you don't see me, I'm dead." And they were like, "Oh, oh. Cool. he's dead." I was like, "Okay, that's awesome." Damn, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't even think didn't about even that. Connected, I know, I know. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I know. There's so, um, that's the thing that details, you know. Yeah, um, and I've got a thing where, and I've told you this. Um, I will watch the first trailer of a movie mm-hmm. that's coming out just so I have an idea of kind of what the, the general gist of the story is and maybe the tone of it. Yeah. But beyond that, I I try to stay away from it if I can. Yeah. If I see a second or third trailer in the movie theater, that's fine. That's fair game, you know. But um, otherwise, I just saw the first trailer for Baby Driver, and I was under the impression that Kevin Spacey was going to be the, the big bad, like the primary yeah. villain. And I think that's kind of maybe the direction they were leading you mm-hmm. at a certain point. Sure. But then it comes back around and he, like, stands up for him, which yeah. was a swerve. Yeah. And then at a certain point in the movie, John Hamm, you think he's going to bond with Baby. And he does a little bit, but then he comes around and he becomes, like, the primary villain. But before that, Jamie Foxx is in there. <laughs> yeah. And he was the primary villain. <laughs> yep. And, uh... So it, there's a lot of twists and turns and yeah. a lot of really, really good, like, villain characters. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I had thought about the villains, too, that I like. This movie felt so fluid and natural. Um, not that I have any, like, real experience in the car heist world. Uh, but, but it made me think of, like, what it would actually be like where it's not going to be so black and white. Like, this person's the hero and this person's the villain. Like, you know, Baby's the hero, but he he obviously is a bad He's doing bad things. He's not a bad person, but he's doing bad things. He's in a bad situation. Um, and he's aiding these people that are doing very bad things and murdering people and stuff. And uh, the the villains kind of go with that. It's like Jamie Foxx is just that quintessential, like, bad person. And he's just, like, really into his role as a bad person. Uh, John Hamm seems really much like a guy, like, as Jamie Foxx later on, you know, tries to, to peg him and like where he came from and stuff where he's like, you were a person with a family and you were on wall street and things went bad and you turned to crime. And he, he just looks like he's like living life how he wants to. And with his girl, Robin Banks and stuff. And Kevin Spacey is just that quintessential. Like he's like a different movie villain. You've always seen before where he's like the one that is so quiet, but he's like the leader of everything and he's very calculating and whatever. And, way more menacing than maybe the rest of them are altogether, but they all switch roles at different points. You never really would know which one's going to come at you. And it's really like, I thought it was very inventive, but also very natural that things, you know, do kind of go in and out like that with villains and people in your life in general. So 
He did a good job. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I agree. And I think the villains really had some charm to them. Like each of them had their their quirks, but they were all like somewhat likable. Even uh, Jamie Foxx's bats, like yeah. he has a, um, I don't know if charisma is the right word, but you're you're kind of drawn to him as a character. Yeah. You're, you kind of he's kind of like a kind of like the Joker almost. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you yeah. want to. You want to see what he does next, mm-hmm. but he's not like just crazy to be crazy. Like he's smart and he's calculating, yeah. which is yeah. like in the scene where you find out that he's going to buy some guns and he figures out they're cops yeah. and then he yeah. just mows them all down. Um, probably not the best way to handle it <laughs> is get into a yeah. massive gunfight <laughs> with the police, but um, he did figure it out. So Yeah, yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. Like, uh, to see like their different roles and stuff, and Jamie Foxx is always like char- I think charisma is like a good role for him. That he's just like a charismatic guy. He's very charming, and and this role is no different. He is very good at being a good bad guy, and yeah. it was it was cool to watch. Yeah, he was one of my favorite characters I think of this movie actually. Um, I think so too. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, I'd never seen Jamie Foxx be. Uh, well, I was gonna say a villain, but yeah, <laughs> I guess he was, he was technically Electro and, and Amazing yeah. Spider-Man too. I didn't even but, see uh, that. So. <laughs> no, he's just as good. He's just as good. I'm sure. Um, but no, he this this is like the most intimidating like presence I felt. Yeah. From a movie villain in in quite a while. Yeah. So uh, which he is did, really he did a great impressive because he's not the main villain of this movie. But he is like the most <laughs> yeah, maybe intimidating at all those scenes. Yeah, yeah. he really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention is that in the movie you find out that um, Baby has a an older deaf black man staying with him, and eventually you find out that that's his adopted father. So when his when his parents died in the auto wreck when he was little. Um, evidently this guy adopted him at a certain point and I just wanted to point that out because you don't really see interracial yeah. like, parenting yeah. in yeah. movies too often, which, you know, got to give uh, give props to Edgar Wright on that because right away, like in the movie, you see that they have a bond and then towards the end of the film, you can see that, you know, there's some, some growth and some mm-hmm. letting go there yeah. um, without having to kill off that guy. So, yeah. um, which is kind of a, a swerve as well. Cause I fully expected him to get capped at a certain point. <laughs> he, he did. He does get knocked out of his wheelchair and yeah. get stolen, but he's, he's all right overall. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's fun because our, the next movie we haven't talked about yet that we're going to review is, is Spider-Man homecoming, which is a, a very obvious, uh, diverse cast and movie, and uh, which I, I want to talk about because I think that was really neat. And this thing is is the same kind of way that it's it's something you don't see very often. And it, it felt like uh, for both movies, they're kind of like a similar theme that way. That uh, they have similar things in, in a lot of varieties. Like they have really good soundtracks that they really really paid attention to, and um, young you know guys at the heart of them that have a lot of um, charm to them. And it's kind of you just can't st- you can't look away. You can't stop thinking about them. You can't stop thinking about the movie, and Kind of going with that, too, that it's like this, um, a cast that maybe feels a little more modern than most modern movies really portray, that our our modern world right now in America is is way more diverse than we're really letting on in Hollywood. So, uh, yeah, I kind yeah. of applaud both the movies for that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, 
same thing with the characters in, in Baby Driver. Um, you know, you've got Jamie Foxx and then the uh, baby's father. Man, I can't remember his name. Um, yeah. They're both African-American. And mm-hmm. then, um, oh, John Hamm's wife yeah. in the movie. I, guess, yeah, I think yeah. she's Latina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's more of that. Oh, and I think the standout like character slash scene in the movie is where they are going to rob a place and the there's a, an Asian guy in there and he was supposed to get Halloween masks for them and they told him <laughs> to get <laughs> they told him to get Michael Myers masks. <laughs> Michael Myers is in Halloween, but he gets Austin Powers mask. Oh, so funny. It was a character played by Mike Myers, and that whole scene is so oh, it's funny. So good. I, I'm, I, oh, I'm tempted to like recreate it right now, and I know I won't do it justice, <laughs> but like it's playing through my mind. I'm holding back yeah. right now uh, for everybody's yeah. you know joy. But uh, <laughs> oh my god, it's so good, and it's in the trailers too. And I, that was one of the moments in the trailers I wish they hadn't put in there. That would have been really funny as itself, but it plays well in the movie regardless. If you've seen it. Because it's so funny, and he does it so well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good part. Yeah. That's the same the same scene with Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, there, yeah, so. um, which is always fun when he pops he, in the movies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so so strange when he does, but he usually does a pretty good job. He does, yeah. Um, the The amount of humor in this movie is less than the other Edgar Wright movies. Yeah, that I agree. I've seen, yeah, I agree. But it doesn't make it worse. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like he does a really good job of balancing like the comedy with the drama. It gets a, a little more dramatic towards the probably the the third act, mm-hmm. um, but but still, there's um, I think there's an overall sense of like heart to the entire film. Yes, that keeps it from being so like overbearing and uh, kind of brooding and cynical the entire time. Yeah, yeah, and we should uh, we should say now too though. You know, we watched this movie. Um, almost like two weeks ago now and uh we did discuss it afterwards and we discussed it with our wives and kind of got their viewpoints as well and i thought it was interesting your wife brandy had said um you know she thought like the first half of the film was better and then she didn't like the second half but um i did and i I think it's because i was i was along for the ride maybe a little bit more but um it definitely shifts in tone like the first half of the movie is a lot more fun and it's like even though it's like these dire circumstances baby doesn't really feel it and then once he meets the girl which we barely talked about by the way but once he meets the girl oh yeah um you know it kind of shifts a little bit and then things get a little more dire and he tries to get out of the business and kevin spacey brings it back in and things get a little worse and like that's when the shit hits the fan and and it definitely changes the tone but i think the it, it to me it fits so well with the actual natural flow of the movie and i'm down for the ride no matter what it is and I loved the beginning when he was dancing around in the streets, and I loved later on when he was, you know, having to shoot people because he has to, and and everything's kind of going to shit. Um, and so, I, yeah, I liked both parts, but definitely, definitely changes up. Yeah, that was another thing. Is from the trailers, it made him, it made Baby seem stoic. So in that opening scene oh, yes. where he he's kind <laughs> yeah. of like playful and singing along yeah. and everything, yeah. and like drumming on his car, it's. It's like such a like tension cutter, yeah. And it's like, oh, this is the movie we're getting. So yeah. that was that was pretty cool. I was, I was, yeah, that's a good one. I, I was, I was not familiar with his the actor's work, so I, I didn't know really what to expect. Um, I was for all I knew, he was just going to be like 
mostly silent through the film. But <laughs> yeah. no, he he has a he has some acting that he does. In yeah. It, so yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he he did a great. Job. Yeah, and I love that part too because. Um, like, you know, you had started, and you had mentioned earlier that you started watching just, like, the first trailer of a movie. I've been doing that, too, since you mentioned it, that I've been trying not to watch the second or third trailers of things and not the TV spots and kind of keep it a little more fresh. And um, they didn't release any of that stuff in the trailers that I saw, you know, about him, like, singing along or dancing and stuff. Like, I kind of heard about the things matched the music, and it was kind of a musical, but I didn't know, know what that meant because I knew they weren't really singing songs. But um, they really kept that a secret. And that, that first scene, that's why I loved watching it today on YouTube. I'm so glad they released it because I don't have to go back to the theater and watch that one scene. But it was so, <laughs> it's so good because, like, the guys, the, the guys and the girl get out of the car and they're about to rub his bank and it's all serious. But it's, like, fun and, and Edgar Wright-ish. And then, like, the music actually gets into the lyrics and he just starts lip-syncing every word perfectly. Like, he knows the song. Yeah. And it's so good, like... And they really did a good job of hiding that. And I, I, I definitely thought he was going to be more like, a lot more silent, stoic. I think that's a good way to put that. Um, and they hit a lot of that, which is really cool because it is definitely a nice surprise in the movie. And it makes it so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's jump into the, um, the, the romantic side of yeah, things. Yeah, we got to get there. Um, yeah. What man? I cannot for the life of me remember that girl's name. I know I'm I'm ashamed. Movie. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad part, but um, yeah. But I liked her. I liked that whole that whole stuff. Uh, I I had read some reviews about that, and some people that didn't really care for that plot line. I guess, but I was down for all of it. I thought she was great. I thought her chemistry was great uh, with Baby. So, what do you think of that stuff? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm Wikipediaing the. Uh, yeah, I got it already. Yeah, it's gonna drive me nuts. Is like she has like the Deborah. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's what it James. is. Slowly, James is Deborah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and then uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Hamm's wife plays Monica. Um, okay. Yeah. Or her name is Monica in the movie. Um, so yeah, on uh, on Deborah, um, I liked her a lot. I thought um, I was afraid that she was going to fall into the um, the too like saccharine sweet type of girl type thing, um, and maybe she was a little bit, but I don't. I don't think it was really a hindrance. I think it was just kind of a different flavor from all the other characters in the movie. So maybe it stood out a little bit more. But that's kind of like who she is as a character too. So, um, uh, yeah. I I'm, like you were saying earlier, my my wife didn't like the the back end of the the movie because she thought that the <laughs> she thought the romance got in the way actually, which surprised <laughs> me because she loves the. Yeah, she likes romance and she likes, you know, notebook and, you know, all that stuff. Um but uh yeah, she she thought that slowed down the movie a little bit. Um Yeah, that's kind it, of what I heard about. but I disagree. Yeah, it it uh it might have slowed the action down a little bit, but it's still there's you have to let the characters breathe too, you know, and kind of get to know them a little bit, which is what I liked. Um I think on repeated viewings, it may not be as um, as much of a slowdown of the story. Yeah, 
I think, well, yeah, once you know sense. what's going to happen and stuff, it, it fits really well. I, it didn't bother me watching it, but, yeah, I think that would help if someone didn't care for that part as much. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I, I think it, you need the slowdown, and I also think that Edgar Wright doesn't do anything half-assed. And I, I don't know, like, I really trust him as a filmmaker after all these years and all these films that have been so amazing that he... You can't you can't watch someone that made a made that beginning of that film and not realize that everything in that whole film is planned out to a T, and the way that he wanted to portray that relationship is how exactly how it should have been portrayed in that kind of film, and so uh, again I, I always go back to like I'm down for the ride I, I didn't really expect much out of any of that kind of stuff but I, I really liked it and I thought their chemistry was really fun I like that she walks in singing a song that he records. And it's kind of like a bonding moment for them, even though she doesn't really realize it yet. And that they have like this bond of music and it doesn't feel as cheesy or cliched or um, I don't even know, like it doesn't feel like opportune for the movie. It just feels natural, even though it is opportune for the movie that they would both be into music. It just feels like, no, these are just two people that happen to meet and they're both into music. And uh, I think he does a good job of that kind of portraying that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the uh, <clears throat> when she listens to the tape, I think it's the tapes of his mom. Yes, she she's listening to his mom somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to assume it's on that tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It's, yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. a couple of weeks, so I forgot. But <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I really liked that moment. That was one of the the things to where you could kind of see where where he's. Where, why he's so into her, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, is that kind of like motherly thing slash um, something that's kind of familiar. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and even like her reaction to it too, like to that tape. And she's so like comforting, even though they they like barely know each other. Like some people I know that ruins it too in a love story or whatever in a movie that um, it's so fast. But I, I feel like it works in a lot of love stories and a lot of movies and this one – worked for me as well that they just bonded you know and and she can she just is that motherly that that sweet that um comforting you know that she can kind of realize what it means to him instantly like that they maybe have known each other for like a week or whatever but it kind of clicks um and that scene is really beautiful i think you know that they when she's listening to that to his mom singing and everything and obviously it means a lot to him and uh but yeah, it's, I, I like the relationship a lot, and I like later on whenever they go to the diner and he's so resistant, whenever he's with the the bad guys, quote-unquote, uh, with Jamie the, uh, J- or Jamie Foxx and um, um, John Hamm and all them. Um, and, and that scene is so tense, and he just gives her glances, and she's like really confused, obviously, and comes over and, you know, just kind of gives them coffee or whatever, and it's all so... It's so full of tension, but um, she did such a great job of kind of fitting that role in that moment and not really knowing what's going on. And I, all of that was just, like, so well done to me. It, it ratcheted up that tension way more than that scene maybe would warrant under, under another director um, and, and another actors as well. But uh, I thought they all pulled it off really well. Yeah, she was really subtle in that scene, like, like you were saying, if it was another or a lesser actor, let's say, um, they probably would have overacted and it would have, wouldn't have sold it as much. But, uh, 
Yeah, man, that was <laughs> that scene was intense. You didn't know what was going to happen. At, at, up to this point, you'd seen so much like crazy stuff in this movie that yeah. it, how would we know? I mean, Jamie Foxx could have just shot her dead right there. Yeah, you I know. know. It could have been it. So, <laughs> Great. <yeah. laughs> um, what a weird movie. Another, <laughs> I know, right? Um, another thing to point out about Baby Driver is that there's almost no CGI in it. Yeah. Um, and I say almost no because I didn't see any CGI, but I've heard Edgar Wright say that know, there's right? almost no CGI. So that's just what I'm repeating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe From some the of the source. words on the uh, the buildings and the uh, the yeah. opening uh, of the movie uh, might have been CGI'd in there. But otherwise, like all of the driving and everything, that was all like practical, um, which is mind blowing uh, because it's a lot of stuff that I have never seen before in any type of car chase film. Um, yeah. which is hard to pull off after how long has film been around? Like 10, 20 years, 10 or something, 20 like years that? something like that. And, yeah, and I since we were so. kids at least, and which is crazy, but, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm always, a, I'm a sucker for practical effects because of the movies we grew up on, even the, the crappy effects that we grew up on. And I still prefer them over, you know, bad CGI. Certainly uh, good CGI is obviously really good. Uh, and good movies, but I I admire the craftsmanship that goes into a practical effect, especially a car chase, and how many like camera setups they have for that, and stunt people they have for those, and it's just uh, a, an amazing feat, especially in this day and age, to to put forth the time and effort to go do that, and it really showed because same like you, I had heard that it had some CGI, and that can be even like wire work sometimes, they're just like removing cables and stuff, and it can be like little small things, it can definitely be the graffiti on the walls. Um, but definitely you can tell that in, from what they said and what you can see that this is, this is happening. You know, they, they filmed these cars doing these things and it's incredible. What if all of the CGI budget was put towards the tattoos on Jamie Foxx's neck? (laughs) 100%. I believe that that could happen, man. That could happen because there was not a lot lot else to put on there. I mean, like they really did a good job of, of making things just be real, you know? And that doesn't happen very often anymore, so... Yeah. CGI neck, I'll go with that one. (laughs) Did you want to look up the... uh, One of the things we wanted to do, one of the little segments we want to have on here is the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, I follow Rotten Tomatoes a lot. I definitely use it as a gauge of movies that I want to see, um, things I want to look into, but also kind of to validate me, which is probably bad, but I really do... Whenever I'm like, man, this movie was <laughs> shit. And people are like, this movie was good. And I'm like, oh, really? Rotten Tomatoes says it was bad. I use that for sure. Opposite ways as well. If it's really good, I say like, hey, you should go see this movie. It has a, you know, an 86% Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, And then there are, there are the occasional outliers. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know that we need to, to bring that up here. But uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get into that on a, on a different I, episode. I want to, I, though. I have a lot. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. there's definitely ones that I disagree with. There are a lot of movies that I've, especially from my childhood, that I liked that have low, low scores, but I love them. So yeah, it definitely doesn't always fit. And I, I definitely think that anybody should make their own opinion about anything. But I think it's a great gauge of things, and I always look at it whenever I'm looking up a movie. Uh, basically, um, to go through what I do, I like to go see a movie. Immediately, I like to come home. I like to look at the Wikipedia page, look at the production of it, look at the casting of it, kind of how it was all made. I like to look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, see what critics have to say about it. I like to go look at Slash Film, which is my main movie website that I go to, and I like to look up uh, their reviews, um, specifically a few writers on there. 
um, that I look at. Um, what else? What you know? What do you do with your? When do you go see a movie? I text you. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, I I like uh, I like film a lot. Um, it's not. Uh, I'm not as into it as you. Yeah. I don't know as much about it as you. I'm super into um, it. So that's why. <laughs> and to the people listening to this, if you ever get a chance to go see a movie with Stephen Fisher, do it. Oh, wow. Because as I tell my wife all the time, (laughs) there's nobody better on the planet to see a movie with than Stephen Fisher. That means a lot to me. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Go take a Stephen Fisher (laughs) film. You know? Just just go. Or. Go take a fishy. If you have access to a Fisher Stevens, take him too. (laughs) He was in short circuit. Go for it. Whatever. I'm not. I'm okay with that. Either way. Number 25. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> you can do that. It's not racist. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, he is my people. Exactly. Um, and so, he's my namesake, so we're good. Right. <laughs> it's all good. We should have him on if he's still alive. We should. Uh, but, yeah, I appreciate um, that. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes, um, one of the things I thought would be kind of fun for the podcast is if I – am able at all to resist looking at the Rotten Tomatoes score as a movie is coming out, which I am usually not because I like to look at that as they're coming out. But for both of these, I have not looked at them. I know basically what Baby Driver's at, though, so I might not participate in this one, but kind of my idea with it was that we would uh, kind of guess what we think the Rotten Tomatoes score would be, um, which is fun because the Rotten Tomatoes score, you know, basically to break it down for anybody that doesn't know, is, you know, like so many reviewers put out their scores and then they they do a percentage of those reviewers that said it was good or bad but it doesn't really necessarily say how good or how bad like if a person says it was a c or an a it's both good so it kind of goes up and up and i think that's kind of a fun way to look at it though as long as you know that that's part of the back end but uh i kind of like to guess and i like whenever i'm looking at movies i like to be like hey this is probably gonna be like an 80 percent on tomatoes and i like to see how close i am so I want to do that for this one. So have you looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score? I have not looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score. I've got it excellent. pulled up on my phone, but oh. I haven't looked oh, at excellent. it. Oh, excellent. I was going to see how we're actually going to play this out, but I like this. Yeah, this yeah no, I, I covered that part of my screen, <laughs> and I just scrolled to the poster. So Awesome. So this is the it's, – it's been out for a couple of weeks, right? So it came out yeah. on the – it's like the last day of June. Baby Driver was released on June 28th of, uh, of this year. The Lord's Year, 2017, <laughs> and and uh, it is today is July 14th, mm-hmm. so it's been out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So let's t- keep that in mind because I know the the scores yeah. are can change a little bit, but they they've probably settled yeah. by now, right? Think, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm. I'm going to let you go first. What, well, what do you think? I think so. What how I, did you want to do it? I, I think I know kind of the gauge of where it's at, so I'd rather go second. Okay, um, gotcha. So, since you're like completely blank, so what do you what are you thinking? Okay, this? I'm going to go with. I'm going to. I'm just going to jump on one. I'm going to say a 96. Okay, that's pretty close. Tomatoes. From my high 90s is what I had heard, and I and I think. So 
if you want as well, like we can say like what we what we would rate it as. We'll we'll, we'll get into like our one to one to ten, I guess. So that's kind of different. But um, I would I would also not only guess that it would be that high, but I would expect it to be nearly that high for Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes I think also really loves Edgar Wright films. I think all of his are certified fresh. They're all above like seventy, I believe at least. Um, so yeah, so you have the actual score. Uh, yes, yeah. So, Baby Driver is... Oh, 95. Oh, wow. 95%. So close. Okay. Look at that super bright screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even see it. But, um, yeah, 95% close. on Rotten Tomatoes. You're right so there, man. Right on the money. Got, got pretty pretty damn close. Um, so, we were going to do a 10-point scale. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and not a 1 to 5, and then doing half numbers. Because like a bunch of... It's bullshit. Dr- yeah, not a yeah. That's some jerk store <laughs> shit right there. Yeah. So, uh, one being the worst, ten being the best, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, where would you rank this on so, your scale? And 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 let's let's keep something else in mind. Sure. So, or I, I guess maybe we can figure it out together. Like, how did you want to do that? The score are are we basing it on level of enjoyment, or is this a a perfect Ooh, quote unquote? Okay piece of art or not so this is a big debate with me because i do this a lot uh one of the things i'll plug later on for my social media is i like to do like small uh movie reviews and i do a, a 10 point scale and as i've been doing those and you know getting a whole bunch of movies kind of under my belt that i've reviewed over time um i started to realize like that i was comparing them to each other because almost like how can you not at that point like, if I were to think something was a, a six, I'm like, why do I think it's a six on its own merits, you know? But then I'm like, well, I gave this other thing a six, and now that I think about it, that one is way worse than this one, or it's way better than this one, or whatever. So it's hard for me to come up with that. I'm still not really sure where I'm at, because I also think that there are movies that I know are not that great, but I enjoy a whole lot. There are movies that I might think are better, but I'll never watch again because they're so hard to watch or, like, so dramatic or whatever. So this one, I, I think Baby Driver and any Edgar Wright movie in general is a good idea of they're so enjoyable, but they're, but they're also so well done. So they kind of hit all areas for me. Um, when I reviewed this one earlier today, because uh, I did my review earlier today, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, I am a borderline 9. I don't think it's quite perfect. I think there's still a few things that I wish would have been a little bit different how they played out, but I, I feel like most Edgar Wright movies, the, the more I see them, the more I fall in love with them. Um, you and I had talked recently about The World's End, and that was my least favorite of his, maybe. And after we talked about it, and you said that you liked it a lot, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch that again. And I watched it like six more times, and <laughs> I can't stop watching it. I put it on all the time now in the background, and it's definitely yeah, see, like, that's- one of my favorites now, so... Yeah, that's how I was with World's End too. Yeah. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, "Okay, that was really good," but I didn't. I, that made watching the World's End in the theater theater the first time made me want to go back and rewatch Shaun of the Dead and Hot, yes. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Not necessarily watch it again, but then you know we just had a lazy day here at the house one day, and we we're like, "Oh, let's let's rewatch World's End." And <laughs> I had like, I thought I remembered a lot of the story, yeah. but like I misremembered things, so it kind of like threw me for a loop again. I was like, oh man, I really enjoy this. I know. So it gets it's kind of like man. we were saying about yeah. Edgar Wright movies. If you rewatch them again, it's, it's like additional enjoyment yeah. you get out of it. So, um, but why for you, what keeps it from going from a nine? Yeah. Um, I, so it, 
it's hard for me. One of my main gauges for movies is is there are some movies I as I've gotten older and watched more movies, I realize this too that there are some movies that are I realize as I'm watching them that they're either going to stick with me for a little bit or they're not. And sometimes they sneak up on me. I don't always know. Um, but when I really know that I love a movie is when I can't stop thinking about it like two to three days later. So Baby Driver was one of those. I left the theater and I was like, it hit every checkbox I had going into it, you know, as an Edgar Wright movie and what I was expecting out of it. But I still wasn't quite all there. But I was like, I'm going to remember this movie for days. I'm going to listen to the soundtrack for days. You know, like I said, I downloaded it in the uh, parking lot. I listened to it for, for days. I really did. And so that, like, to me, like, I feel like I can't give it a nine until I watch it again probably another few times but um i think it'll probably get there but right now i'd say it's an eight okay yeah so where are you at with that's a good score respect (laughs) right (laughs) um out of 10 i'm gonna give it a three and a half absolutely kidding (laughs) 20 point skill um let's see out of out of 10 i'm gonna give it I'm probably going to go yeah, – I'm just going to give it a seven and a – yeah, seven. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I almost, you can't do I a half because you're talking about that. I can't, can't do a half, yeah. So it's close to an eight for you. Like, I it's on the board, It's close right? to an eight. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, I'm i the same as you. If I watch another couple of times, I'll probably – it'll go up higher. It'll be one of those movies that you've told me about before, like super bad – where you put it on in the background while you're you're doing other things, just because it's it's nice to have around. It's like good atmosphere, right? So, um, but right now I'm giving it a seven, um, just because um, I thought it was going to be funnier than it sure. was. Yeah, but uh, and humor is like a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially with Edgar Wright but, movies. Yeah, but also. When you see it in a theater, sometimes you miss jokes and things like that, especially on a first viewing. So maybe it'll have a little bit more of that um, yeah. that I'll be able to pick up on the next time. But yeah, I'm going a 7 out of 10 for right now. Yeah, right on. That sounds good. Um, yeah, I think it's his, his movies in particular to me, like it's kind of hard to judge after one viewing. But uh, I, this one struck me a lot. I still liked it a lot like his other ones. I still like his other ones more, his more comedic role, you know, movies and stuff. Shaun of the Dead and Hot, a Hot Fuzz for some reason just like hits me. I just love that movie so much. Yeah, uh, me too. And The World's End too is, has lately just really gotten in there and, and I like that one a lot. Um, I had heard an interview with him after, like around this Baby Driver stuff um, where someone would ask him if he would just do like a straight drama and he had mentioned that he would love to do that as a challenge to himself and I was like, yeah, that's I've never seen an Edgar Wright thing that was just dramatic. I can't even imagine what that would be like, honestly. And I think that's really cool, but also kind of scary for him and for the audience as well. Like, I don't know what to expect from that and what I would think of it. And I think this one kind of threw people for a loop a little bit, um, like we talked about with the second half being a little more dramatic and stuff. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it again and kind of see how it falls in the midst of his other films. I think even with my seven out of ten, it is definitely a must see. Like, yeah, yeah, it, 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 there's something for everyone in it. I think, yeah. you know, yeah. there really is, <laughs> especially yeah. toddlers. If you have toddlers, they will <laughs> love this movie. They like shiny things and fast moving stuff. Whatever. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Kids, explosions, <laughs> gunfire. All it's the all there. Yeah. 
All right, so that was uh, that was our first movie for uh, for this podcast. Uh, we also wanted to talk about another one. Do you just want to go right into the other one? Spider Man Homecoming. Loved it. Uh, I want to see it again. Uh, <laughs> that's the best. 90, put, 94 right? out of ten. Oh my god. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, you were a Spider Man kind of guy. Um, yeah. For for the people who don't know me, I am a massive comic book fan. Um, I actually draw comics myself, not professionally, but um, kind of as a hobby. But um, I'd say professionally. My ult- I'd say professionally. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, uh, my all-time favorite fictional character in any medium is Spider-Man, um, Peter Parker. So, um, and we've had this is the third live-action, like modern live-action film we've had with him. Um, there's a shitty one like back in the series. I think 70s or yeah. 80s or whatever, but yeah. uh, made for TV. But yeah, after Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, um, you know, people were kind of hemming and hawing about like, oh, do we need a, another Spider-Man? How come they're not just sticking with one of the current ones they have? But then after he showed good. up in, so yeah, <laughs> after they after uh, Tom Holland, Holland showed up as Spider-Man in Civil War. People were like, "Oh, okay, never mind. I take it back. This is the perfect actor to play Spider-Man. Um, I'm wrong. Yeah. Here's all my money that I will ever have." Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like you were saying with with Tobey Maguire and and Andrew Garfield, there are parts of each of those film franchises that I liked, but I mean, the Tom Holland's Spider-Man um, just completely blows those out of the water for me. I'm um, I'm choosing to acknowledge those other film franchises don't exist and I will never talk about <laughs> wow. them again. That's a big step. Well, so you got to start somewhere to, to begin this as well. You and I had talked, uh, in the last year or so, I think about, you know, you and I had both revisited the, uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and <laughs> they, <laughs> exactly. And it's funny how, how well they didn't hold up. Uh, honestly, um, and part of it's let's, to be expected. I think. Go ahead. <laughs> let's let's talk about this. Okay, so <clears throat> I've I've been seeing a lot of I've been hit a lot of talk. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I visit a lot of uh, like comic book related websites like throughout my my work day, and they usually have like listicles on there, which are are stupid, but I cannot help but go through them. And I came across this one that said why Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films are better than the the MCU or Marvel Cinematic Universe films. And I was going through the list, and I was just like, my head almost caught on fire, <laughs> much like Ghost Rider, also in terrible movies <laughs> terrible from Sony. Movie. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I know people hold Spider-Man 2 in high regard, and... I'll be honest, like at the time, that was like my favorite superhero movie. Like when it came out, like the, there was just something about it. Um, you know, Dr. Octopus was in there and just having a character named Dr. Octopus in a movie <laughs> blew my mind. And he was like uh, we'd a already really got serious the serious actor. He was, yeah. <laughs> or or Alfred, Alfred Molina, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and in the, the previous movie, we already got like the origin story out of the way. So this was just like Peter being Spider-Man full time. This is him the entire time. And he's struggling with like his powers not working and 
there's a brand new villain, but the villain has some like heart. You can see why he's kind of going on the path he's taking. And did I like this movie? I feel like I like this movie now. <laughs> when I'm talking about. Um, and then like there's a a scene where he's in the operating room where they're trying to take his his uh, tentacle arms, his medical arms off of his back, and it's like classic Sam Raimi like horror movie like. Yeah like snap cuts here and there and there's no score to it at all. Oh yeah. So it's, it's like extra menacing, but upon rewatching it last year, um, because I had seen civil war and I thought, Oh man, I want some more Spider-Man. What's the best Spider-Man. I'll go back to Spider-Man <laughs> two, yeah. Sam Raimi's and I'll enjoy that. Except I had to watch it in like three different viewings. I had to break it up because it was so hard to get through. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I guess I'm just spoiled with like the modern Marvel cinematic universe movies to where my tastes have changed mm-hmm. and the, the kind of campiness that were in the, the Raimi films just doesn't hold up for yeah. me anymore. Yeah. Um, I really didn't even get a, cause I'm very nostalgic, like yeah. about everything. <laughs> Ninja Turtles, Darkwing Duck. I'm all about it. But for some reason I was really having a hard time getting back into that movie um and uh, if the acting was better in it maybe it would have been easier to get into but (laughs) uh toby mcguire's spider-man is not not great i (laughs) honestly haven't really seen a whole lot i like toby mcguire in yeah. Uh, not even Seabiscuit. No. Not even Seabiscuit. Oh, man. You brought um, Seabiscuit into it. <laughs> <laughs> what that horse ever we do to you, we wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> There's some lines you don't cross, and I've crossed them. Oh, my God. Much, much less like the finish line in Seabiscuit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, the Raimi films, maybe people just like them because they're nostalgic, but I, I say go, go rewatch it. You're going to hate yourself for it. <laughs> See, the thing is, so when we talked about it, like, I watched the first Spider-Man, the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and I was like, man, this is not good. It's not really holding up, and it and it, there's a lot of things to it. But uh, Spider-Man 2, you know, holds up a little bit, but it is really hard to watch in, in this day and age of the modern, you know, superhero movie with the MCU and everything, just, you know, killing it everywhere. And uh, there's just something about those movies, and I'm not even like a real big Sam Raimi fan. Um, I think it's part of it. Like I've tried, you know, Evil Dead that series and stuff, and I, I have a lot of friends that love it, and I know people love it, but I just have never really gotten into it. And um, probably people will kill me for that, but um, same kind of thing. Like I just I'm not into his campiness, and a lot of that stuff just doesn't hold up that well after all these years. Even though like. They did bring, like, uh, earlier, just a second ago, when you were talking about, like, you saw this villain that actually had some heart and stuff. For a second, I thought you were talking about the new Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does have heart, and it's great. But I was like, no, like, Raimi's films, like, they did have some of those moments. They just didn't translate as well, like, timelessly. Um, they would hold on this long, and um, there's definitely something lacking, something different about it that just doesn't really, doesn't hold up that well. And uh, it's unfortunate. There's still like a lot of great scenes and moments in those movies, but um, it's funny because I've always liked, I've liked Tim McGuire, but the more I've thought of it over the years, I'm like, what do I like him in, really? And without Spider-Man, uh, there's not a whole lot, honestly, that I you know loved him in or whatever. 
Um, and there's a lot of really cheesy acting. Like James Franco, I think, is an overall a really good actor. He chooses good roles and bad roles. He just chooses lots of roles. But that role in particular, he's really bad in. He is, like, super cheesy. and uh, Super cheesy, like, super dramatic yes. as well. Everything is yeah. so dramatic in that role, and it's so uh, it's just so yeah. bad. But um, A lot of angst. Yeah. They really focused on angst in that. Yeah, yeah. they really did. And, like, uh, obviously, the Spider-Man 3 we barely talk about because it was atrocious. Um, and I, I, the only thing I ever see from that is memes of, uh, you know, emo Spider-Man. That's all I ever think about. <laughs> Oh, it's fucking emo Spider-Man, that haircut. Oh, the awful. gifts, the gifts. So many, and it's so bad. But it's kind of uh, almost like that That movie was like almost like a representation of that whole thing, that it's just not that great, and it, it's not going to hold up. And it kind of was like, yeah, we were ready to let go of that. And I've heard these rumors of like Spider-Man 4 that they had um, you know, tried to get off the ground, and I'm kind of glad they didn't. Um, even though we can transition from that to The Amazing Spider-Man, which I've seen a whopping one time. and <laughs> you can Just see the first much. one. <laughs> yes, the first one. I've never seen the second Amazing Spider-Man. I heard it was so bad, I never even gave it a shot. And I'm, I'm not nearly as big of a Spider-Man fan as you. I'm not a comic book fan like you are. I read a few pretty much that you tell me to read. And, uh, and I think that'd be a great part of our conversation, that you know a lot of the, the lore and the, the history and stuff, but... Um, the Amazing Spider-Man I remember being okay I literally do not remember a single thing about that movie I <laughs> I like Andrew Garfield more than I like Tobey Maguire um, I like him as an actor I think he's good I thought he was a pretty good different Peter Parker um, that he was more instead of just like the geeky guy he was more like sciencey um, like nerdy than geeky and, and everything. But I think Tom Holland like reminds me, I, I think the best compliment I could give any Spider-Man live action movie or actor is that it reminds me of the cartoon from the nineties and oh, yeah. Tom Holland and that Spider-Man reminds me of the cartoon from the nineties. So mm-hmm. that's yeah, really like the, the gauge I, like, I go on. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the biggest compliment I could play or pay is saying, Oh, that's Peter Parker. Like, mm-hmm. he just, he looks like him. He's got um, kind of the, the, the witticisms yeah. of, of a Peter Parker. Um, he's got excellent comedic timing. Yeah. Um, like you were saying about Andrew Garfield, I, I did think that was a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And the failures of the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, or two films, was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not... not the failure of those films were not his doing yeah. or Emma Stone's doing. It's just, I don't know if it's studio interference or, or what. Yeah. Maybe it's the filmmaker, um, but it's, it, it just didn't work. Yeah. And luckily, we got Tom Holland as a Spider-Man out of it. So Yeah, um, and we got Marvel. It worked out in our favor. Yeah, we got Marvel back in the mix, really, was you know, the, the catalyst for all of that, which was great. Um, cause that whole, I remember when that news came out, which was just fucking crazy that Sony and Marvel like reached a deal like that never happens. I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like that happening ever. You know, so, um, that the, actually the first time that, that that happened or when that was announced, I should say. Um, and <laughs> for the people who don't know me, um, I have a weird memory. Like I can <laughs> remember, 
I'm terrible at math and like <laughs> stuff I learned in school, but I have almost a complete working knowledge of Darkwing Duck trivia, yeah. <laughs> and I also remember specific things about where I sat in a movie theater and with whom and what I did and you were like wearing. <laughs> yes, sometimes what clothes. Um, and it's then it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, you are the first person who told me about about that. Oh. You texted me and you really? were like, "Dude, have you have you seen the internet?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, much. "What?" So I knew it was something movie related if it was coming from you, yeah. and I also assumed that it was Marvel related because it, it you were texting me. Yeah. So I hopped online and I saw the the thing about them combining universes and it was at night and I was ready to go to bed. Like I was sitting in bed. <laughs> yeah. I just crawled in bed. I was tired. Then I saw that and I was like wired for like the next two hours. I could not go to sleep. I was just so excited about the, the announcement, but, um, no, it's finally happened. Mm-hmm. And my concern was that after Spider-Man appeared in civil war, which was fine, he showed up there. Clearly he's in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. My concern was that, Whenever he got over to his own film, we might see um, Stark Tower or Avengers Tower in the background, but that would be the only connection sure. to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But upon watching this movie, uh-uh, because <laughs> it is all all throughout this movie. Like yeah. Sony really wanted to be like, hey, this thing that you you like, this other franchise. Guess what? He's part of it He's, now, like guys, fully. Like it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please continue giving yeah. us money. We're sorry for those other five films. But um, yeah, everything from like the beginning where we find out the lead villain, uh, who is Michael Keaton as the vulture. Yeah. Um, quick side note when they were going to potentially cast a fourth Sam Raimi Spider Man yeah. movie, they were saying they wanted to have the vulture in it. And I was like, Vulture, like, even as a longtime Spider-Man fan, I'm like, Vulture's not cool. Yeah. Like, he's just like an old man in a green leotard. <laughs> yeah. But but they really did, like, a great job with this character. This this is, like, one of my favorite MCU characters up Which to this point. Which is amazing, by the way, as, as a non-comic book reader, whenever I heard about the Vulture, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this thing is ridiculous. And so it's like to pull that off is like quite a feat, you know, really. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond Spider-Man's vulture, the the only other famous vultures in cinema are the two vultures in the Jungle Book cartoon <laughs> movie. Don't start that again. Those guys, you know. He had, Otherwise, uh, we have he had big shoes to fill. What can I say? <laughs> as a as a society, uh, Americans have not invested in vultures as they have a not. film-based uh, characters. Um, but, uh, I really like what they did. Uh, he's, he's not that cool in the comics, but I, I really like the direction they took him. He, uh, I like that he is an older, uh, an older actor. So that's consistent with it. That's really all I need. Um, I know a lot of people freak out about there not being a direct adaptation of comics to film, but I've also noticed a lot of that criticism is coming from people that are newer to comics who are trying to like jump in on a storyline that's based on this movie that's coming out. So they want to read it first before they go see the movie. And then it's not, not the same, but I'm fine with them using, reusing titles, whatever, as long as we get a good overall product at the end of it, I'm cool with it. Um, as long as the characters are recognizable to me, you know, do what you do. 
Um, so yeah, um, it, the the movie opens up with Michael Keaton. Um, he's he works at um, I'm not sure what company he works with actually, but yeah, he kind of does rehab yeah. work. Yeah, he he does like rehab work in uh, New York, um, and he's currently working on the Chitauri invasion from Avengers, like all those like giant slug space slug yeah. monsters. Yeah that are flying through buildings and whatnot. <laughs> They're actually like working on like removing them and removing the Chitauri tech and everything. So right from the jump, you know, this is firmly in the MCU. Um, and then as it progresses throughout the movie, you've obviously you've got Iron Man that shows up in the movie, not just Tony Stark, but him yeah. in the armor, yeah. him not even in the armor yeah. at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you've got Captain America that shows up and some of the greatest PSAs I've ever seen in my life. They're so good. <laughs> and then um, they're everywhere towards in the too. Yes, yeah. all they're all over the place. Yeah, and great. then towards the end of the film, we also see a a different again spoilers. Uh, Tony Stark invented spider suit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so and I mean, like tech is this all is over this movie too. Like all yeah. all over it. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, like don't worry. This is firmly in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So it's safe. It's safe to jump in. Um, it's not Amazing Spider-Man three. N- no, no, it's, no, definitely totally not. Out of it. um, yeah. The uh, I guess the the overall plot is the uh, Michael Keaton's character, the Vulture. He starts stealing tech from, like I had mentioned, the Chitari and alien um, alien people <laughs> or alien what am i trying to say uh, he starts ta- stealing alien tech yeah, yeah, yeah. is what he does and then he's trying to repurpose it and sell those that repurposed tech out to criminals or the underworld or whatever and um eventually peter who is already spider-man he has to stop him because that's kind of a basic superhero story yeah. um kind of throughout the film peter is kind of struggling at being in high school um and I was kind of worried about them putting him back in high school yeah. because we saw that already mm. in two other previous franchises. But I really like the way they handled it here. He's just a sophomore, so it's not like he's going to graduate immediately. Yeah. Um, uh, to stick with that real quick, I was I was wondering your take on that because um, I again I don't remember the Amazing Spider-Man series that well, but you know, in the Sam Raimi. Spider-Man, it's great. You should watch it. <laughs> we covered that. You should definitely watch that. In the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, you know, he's in high school for, like, maybe, like, the first half of the movie or whatever. And then they, they like, go into New York, and he's, like, in college and everything. And I liked the high school stuff in that, but I, I couldn't remember how long in The Amazing Spider-Man, like, in the two films. Like, is he in high school the whole time or the first film or? Yeah, and I believe he graduates in the, I think it's the second one. Yeah. Like, the beginning of the second movie he graduates. Okay. I remember correctly because I I'm, I was totally it's, it's cool with this yeah 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 and you try to forget it because it was awful um, <laughs> but I was excited for this specifically because um, I had paid so much attention to the casting and to them talking about the casting about how they wanted to get a younger actor and actually keep it in high school and whenever I thought back to the movies that I had really known with uh, Sam Ra- or Sam Raimi ones that you know he was really barely there so i was pretty excited for that as long as they could pull it off and i think they did a really good job um they kept mentioning this like john hughes vibe they were trying to go for and i think they totally nailed it which i'm a huge john hughes fan and an 80s movie fan so um i thought that was great but uh but yeah so just kind of wanted to touch on that as well 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've got the, the high school thing going on. Um, Peter is really kind of struggling with his like social life, kind of balancing that out with his life as Spider-Man, which is, you can tell in the movie, that's what he really wants to do. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Re- he really wants to be an Avenger. And at a certain point, he tells his best friend, Ned, that, why do I need high school? I'm just going to go be an Avenger anyway. So, you know, why, why even mess with this? But throughout the movie, we see him kind of struggle with like trying to balance that out and then, you know, kind of try to get the, the girl he has a crush on Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and jumping back to the baby driver conversation from earlier, um, this, like you had mentioned, this cast is also wildly diverse. Yeah. So the, the girl he has a crush on is, yeah, she's African American. Uh, his best friend, um, Ned is, uh, the actor is, uh, Samoan, I believe. Um, so I'm just going to assume that's, that's the same thing he, his character is going to be. Um, and then, um, the, the rest of the, the cast, like some of the, the villains, Donald Glover is in it. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they did a really good job of balancing the different ethnic mix of, uh, of Queens and specifically, yeah, Queens, but also like the high school itself, I thought was probably way more representative of a high school today. Um, then, then did you see the, did you see the, the Hasidic kid? No, I didn't see that. There, there's a, a kid. He's in like the background of two different scenes. Yeah. Um, but he's like super Hasidic, oh, or awesome. more Hasidic than we get here in yeah, Oklahoma yeah. or there in Texas. So um, he's got the like long curls, uh-huh. like coming down his sideburns or whatever. That's and I thought totally that was funny. a, a nice notice. inclusion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I just I thought the cast was great. Um, there's also a character named uh, Flash. Uh, Flash yeah, Thompson, his, who's yeah. been in, in some of the uh, the previous movies as well, but yeah. this time he's played by a, a Guatemalan American actor, and I mean, it just kind of shows you that it, the race doesn't matter as long as you get the the characters yeah. right or establish those connections between the characters, then then it's fine. Well, yeah, that's why I yeah I think we wanted to bring it up a little bit more was that people have been talking about it so much with a lot of the casting, especially with like Flash and stuff, and um, and MJ, which we'll get into later, I guess that uh, that it's not like fitting with the the comic book versions of these people, but um, it's modernizing it uh, like anything else would, and I, I think it just fits really well. And it it doesn't, I don't know, like it just really worked that it felt more natural and more realistic to today. And I had heard some stuff about Flash in particular about how they didn't want him to be like the typical like jock bully because no, but that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, bullies today, they were like, they have money maybe. And they're just like rich kids who are, you know, kind of dicks. And I was like, this guy nailed that. He was like a rich <laughs> dick. <laughs> that was pretty much what he was. He, and they did a good yeah. job casting speaking, him for that. So speaking of dicks, he, he keeps calling Peter penis Parker. I say penis, you say Parker. It, it wasn't even that clever, <laughs> but it was so funny. No, it, it, it keeps coming yeah. up. And the That's more what, it comes out, the more I laughed. <laughs> I know, I know. The first time I heard it, I was like, "Well, that's kind of lame." But then, like, yeah. I, th- like the third time he said it, I just laughed so hard. And when he's at that, when he's DJing, and he keeps he yeah. gets everybody to say it, I was like, "Yeah, I'm in for this. This is good. That's so funny." Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in in the comics, um, Flash was well, pretty much everybody was white, but Flash in particular, he was a a, a bigger like yeah. kind of buff um, jock, like you were saying. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, like he doesn't, to be a rival, you don't have to be physically threatening to somebody. And really like we know as an audience that flash, even if he were, uh, you know, a, a a big jog, like a a modern day jog, then Peter could like break him in half with his strength. So there's no real like physical threat, you know, but the idea of somebody just harassing Peter all the time, um, or kind of demeaning him, you know, he doesn't have money, whatever we see Aunt May pull up to the party in her like jalopy mobile, (laughs) drop off Peter and Ned. Like that gives you like, shows you like the different worlds they're living in. That's a good point too. I like that because that happens a few times in the movie where she jo- she shows up like drops him off in that car and it's so awesome because it's like a piece yeah. of shit and uh, but then you see Flash later and he's driving like an Audi or whatever and it's like oh okay cool uh, it's always <laughs> Audi with, yeah, right? with the MCU yeah. <laughs> um, and the thing I like about uh, the her like junker of a car is like they don't really even acknowledge it like they show it on screen yeah, but nobody nobody even really says anything yeah. because they don't need to beat you over the head with it. But, um, but yeah, like overall as a, as a film, like just, just by itself, I loved it. And then just knowing that it connects to the MCU just makes me love it so much more. And they did such a good job of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I said earlier, you know, it's my favorite fictional character joining my favorite film franchise. (laughs) Hell yeah. Like I'm all, all over it. This, this movie was tailor-made for me. I, I believe it. Um, whenever I started, I mean, like, obviously going into it, I knew you are a huge Spider-Man fan, but as I'm watching it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is, like, perfect. <laughs> for Brent, specifically, like, because yes. it means something to me, but it's it's definitely going to mean something to more to someone that really has a love for that character more than anybody else I know. Like, I've always loved Spider-Man. I grew up watching the, like, I've always loved X-Men and Spider-Man. I liked the X-Men cartoon and the Spider-Man cartoon when we were growing up. And uh, so I've always been really attracted to both of those franchises, but um, definitely you, you know, you have a, a, a big affinity for this character and stuff. So watching some of this play out, I, I knew, even though I didn't know what it all meant, I knew like whoever made like John Watts making this movie and all the people writing this movie and everything, like they loved this character as much as any fan did. And it's really kind of nice to see um people put that much dedication and work into something and then to know that like you as a as an uber fan like i was like yeah brent's gonna love this it's really kind of nice yeah when i when i heard that he was come spider-man was coming to the mcu i knew uh that the the guys who wrote the uh that newest vacation movie with ed helms Mm -hmm. and christina applegate were going to write it yep and I eventually saw the trailer for it. And I was like, I have no interest at all in seeing this movie. The vacation or this one? Uh, va- vacation. No, yeah. no vacation. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy, this doesn't <laughs> go well <laughs> for Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. So then, um, but I was delighted at the amount of humor in Homecoming. Like, yeah. it was so yeah. funny. Like, there's a part where he's at the party and he's going to bust into it dressed as Spider-Man because he's Peter, it's alluded that Peter knows spider-man personally yeah. and he's gonna go by liz with alan's party um but then he sees an explosion he's going to run off and and uh, see what's up but there are no buildings for him to swing on so he just has to run across <laughs> was it like a golf course a golf or course. whatever and the sprinklers turn oh, on and he gets so wet and, funny yeah and it's oh my god and there's just so much humor in it they <clears throat> one 
part where they deviated from the comics is his his suit is given to him by Tony Stark, which is fine. It totally makes sense for that universe. It that, make, yeah, it makes like, sense totally in the MCU specifically, I think. Yeah, yeah. so I'm totally fine with it. I know it bugs some people, but I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Never seen anything like that before. Um, in the comics, there's a certain point in the, the comic version of Civil War where Tony gave him a a, uh, a different suit. It was the kind of a, a crimson and gold color mm-hmm. similar to Iron Man's colors. But at that point, Peter had, or Peter had been a, uh, a superhero for several years, if not a decade or more. So he was, could handle it a little bit better. And yeah. this, he is such a newbie to <laughs> being Spider-Man yeah. that that's where a lot of that humor comes from, I think. Like, he's got his, like, basic powers under control for the most part, mm-hmm. but dealing with this, you know, ultra high-tech suit and all the bells and whistles once they have it jailbroken yeah. is so yeah. funny. And he, he talks to Karen, yeah, oh God. <laughs> which is yeah. the uh, so his operating system. Yeah, so yeah. perfect. And that's one thing we had spoken about um, a week or two ago. Um, I think actually when yeah. you were in town and we went to go see Baby Driver, I was going to ask if you had heard anything about his suit specifically and that's what I was referring yeah. to was his suit having its own like AI, yeah, and it being it being voiced by uh, by Jennifer Connelly, yeah, which I didn't know, and I uh, I don't think we talked about that that day, but I found out later on, which is really cool, kind of Easter egg yeah. for the MCU. The the other Easter egg associated with that, and I didn't know this, is she's married to Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, yeah. who was Tony Stark's AI <laughs> so before cool. that. Yeah. So you're keeping it in the there. family. I love that they do stuff like that. Yeah, it's like it's stuff like that that's really fun because they didn't they don't have to do that, but it's really nice that they kind of go out of their way to make these little Easter eggs that don't even really matter for the MCU. It's just kind of fun in real life, right? Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of humor derived from the suit, and I like that he has Karen to talk to because in the comics, whenever he's by himself out on patrols or doing whatever, we either see him talk to himself or he has an inner monologue mm-hmm. with himself doesn't really play mm-hmm. out so well on a film so this gives him some something to bounce off of yeah or even, somebody to bounce off of in a way i didn't even think about that but that makes total sense uh i didn't think about it like she felt so natural to the suit uh and as much as like tony made it for him and tony has jarvis and now friday and everything that it would make sense that he would have something um that it, i thought it really worked in the movie that i didn't even question it but it totally makes sense as just a plot device <laughs> that they needed him to be able to talk to someone in those scenes that he has no one else. And they do it so well, too, uh, with him talking about the girl and everything. Yeah, especially when he gets locked in that bunker. Yes. Um, oh the, my God, the damage yes. control bunker. Like, he needed somebody to talk to there. Yeah, and his um, web hammock. And it, yeah. That he makes for himself. <laughs> and, he, and he gets to uh, explore a lot of his, like, different tech and everything. Yeah. Um, in that 37 minutes that he's there before he starts <laughs> yeah, freaking out. That was great. Um, I also enjoyed the the different modes of the suit. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of them being the instant kill mode, where his, no. his eyes <laughs> no, dilate to just the red dots. <laughs> and he's like, and, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I like that. And I like the uh, interrogation mode, where his voice becomes yes. like artificially God, deeper. so funny. And he has to argue with Donald Glover <laughs> that... Uh, I'm a boy, not a yeah. girl. I mean, a man. Oh, my God. It was so see, funny. See, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm like, I got to go see this again. Like, right yes. now. Oh, it's my so God. It was, I forgot about like, these little things. It's details. It was literally as if John Watts came to me, and he was like, hey, 
Hey, little guy. Tap me on the chin with his fist. Hey, little guy. Uh, I know you've been suffering here a little bit with these other movies. I know you think you like them now, but um, I got something for you. Hey. And he rubs my tummy, oh, and then he, uh, he so shows nice. me this movie. And then you go. So there's a few things I want to unpack after what you said, too, because going back to uh, the writers and the, the writers of Vacation, because when that trailer came out, I also thought it looked awful, uh, unfortunately, because I'm a big fan of the original series. But um, uh, one of them, John Francis Daly, is, uh, played one of the, he's one of the kids in Freaks or Geeks, which is one of my favorite shows. And he was in Waiting, too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, I think he was in Waiting. Yeah, he's like the new, he's like the new server or whatever. And he's just so good. Um, obviously, like, acting is different than writing, but I've, uh, since I found out he has, uh, he's writing and he has a, this writing partner and stuff, I've been kind of watching him, and he has a few things that, like, vacation that I didn't think it looked that great, but I was so glad to see this, and I read some interviews with him and his writing partner today, who I unfortunately don't remember the name of right now, but, uh, but anyway, uh, they were kind of talking about how, like, they're just huge fans of Spider-Man as well, and they are us, you know, like, they grew up with all this stuff, and they just want to show it as well, and it's really nice to see not only um, Marvel and Sony give them a chance, but to see these things come to the screen and be like, okay, finally, we finally have these things, and some of them are different than the comics or the cartoons and whatever would uh, would have you get to, like, um, the Spider-Sense, which they don't really mention a lot in this movie, and I've, I've heard some interviews with that as well with uh, Kevin Feige and everything um, about how they didn't really portray that. But I also think that they did. They just don't talk about it. Like, they still show him, like, missing punches that should have hit him and missing things that were flying at him that he misses. But um, Well, on, on that real quick, yeah. if you go back and – you recently went back and rewatched the, the Civil War. Yes. Uh, or the Spider-Man scenes in Civil War. Yeah. One thing I picked on, I caught it immediately in the first viewing, is when um, Spider-Man steals Cap's shield, he's sitting on, on that vehicle, and then you see him go, uh, guys, and then you see Ant-Man running across the shield, oh. and then he jumps up and punches him. So to me, that was his spider sense oh, kicking in, see, like, oh, great. hey, there's something coming up, I'm, and then he gets clocked in the fucking yeah. face. So, <laughs> yeah. Even before that, you, I thought you were going to say this one, but uh, one of the things I noticed was that ever Tony comes to his apartment to Aunt May's apartment or whatever and he like looks Tony looks up and pushes up the ceiling tile thing so his suit falls down and Peter Parker like jumps across at it and like it's like so fast <laughs> that he like jumps and like throws it in his laundry basket and yeah it, and he just like turns around and, like puts his arms up like oh hey and it was it's all so quick that it's like he clearly is not like a normal teenager like he had more powers than that, and so I, I think it's all kind of there, and and they'll they'll play more into that. But I also like that they didn't they didn't need it in this movie, like they have in the other movies. Um, again, at least the rainy ones, where they do this like slow motion, like you know, Tim McGuire's like can look look back and forth in the time that someone else can throw a punch or whatever. They didn't need it to be that in depth, but I, I liked the, the the subtle ways they kind of did put it into play. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like like Uncle Ben, I. We don't need to see Uncle Ben. We know what happened. We don't need to see the spider sense. We know he's got it. Like, it's yeah. it's part of pop culture, as people say, oh, my spidey sense is tingling, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all know it's, we all know it's there. We don't need any, like, fancy <laughs> graphics or anything. Yeah. Um, if they want to make some later, That's I would be cool. all for it. But I actually whatever they want to do. That particular line, I, w- I hope, is, is in there down the road, but from a different character that just, like, crushes a spider or something like that. 
and they're like, <laughs> my spidey sense was sense was tingling or whatever. Like, I hope that's what happens. Like that they just like play a joke on it because it doesn't need it really, and it's like we've seen that so many times, you know. But uh, again, with the uh, uh, Uncle Ben, and uh, I also like this movie too. Like when he's talking to his friend Ned, and there's like a blip scene. And it's like, I, as far as I remember, like, it's like in the montage sort of of Ned asking him questions about things, about like what powers he has, whatever. And he just, he, it doesn't even show like Ned's question. He just kind of answers it, I think, when they cut to it. But he's just like, I was bit by a radioactive spider. And it's like, move on, like so quickly, like they don't need to dwell on it. And he also mentions in Civil War, I think it was when I was watching it again, that he was like, he mentioned something like, well, I've had this powers for six months. And so it's clearly that it just happened, but... He, he doesn't mention his uncle at all dying, so it's like his uncle might have been there and might have died in this universe, but it's not going to be the same circumstances that it was before. And I'm totally on board for whatever they come up with that. Um, even if they never mention it again, I'm totally cool with that. But um, I like the the little changes like that. Like, we've seen those things. We don't need those things anymore. We're, we're past them, you know? Yeah, yeah. We get it. We get it. We get we it. Get we it. understand where yeah. where he's coming from. <laughs> Power responsibility. We got it. <laughs> but I also wanted to bring up uh, John Watts because you had mentioned him before. Um, you know, in regards to like <laughs> him, like being like, "Hey, little buddy, uh, this is the movie you've always wanted," or whatever. And I, I didn't know. Have you ever seen um, Cop Car? Is the only other movie I've seen of his. I'm not even sure what else he has. But have you ever seen that before? No, I honestly I just recently heard about it. Yeah, uh, I heard Kevin Smith on. I think it was Fat Man on Batman. Yeah. He was talking about how um, he saw Cop Car and he thought that was great. But yeah. no, I'd, I'd never seen it. It's really Have you? yeah, it's good. Um, I watched it like a, maybe like a year ago. Um, I'm not sure really when, but um, it's really cool. And it's another one of those um, movies that caused a director to be kind of interested to me. Whenever Marvel chose them, like um, when Marvel chose Joss Whedon, I was really shocked because he's done some great stuff. But I didn't. He's never done anything like that scale before. And then once like things started coming out about it, I was like, he's perfect for this. And then the, you know the Avengers came out, and it's like, yeah, he was the person to do that. And they just choose really good directors from really interesting backgrounds. Um, and Cop Car is a good example of that because Cop Car is a totally different movie. It's if anything, like if I saw that and I was trying to think of like how they kind of contacted him and got him to direct Spider Man, like it's like about two kids, like young kids. And the performances he gets out of them are amazing. Like, those kids are great. And it's extremely dramatic and tense. Um, and that, that um, I'm trying to think of that, that, it, that intensity, like, comes through in a lot of the scenes in Spider-Man. Like, um, I think we were texting earlier about that scene with him in the car or whatever. I'm not sure we were talking about that earlier, but uh, with, in the car with Tombs on the way to the dance, and like, or like, right outside the dance. And it's so good. And, like, some of that stuff I can see from him directing Cop Car that it's there, you know? I, uh, I, I just, I need to, we need to discuss the, the car scene. It's um, so good. So in a, in a movie filled with superheroes, you've got uh, Iron Man, you've got Spider-Man, you've got multiple villains, really, with a vulture and then like some some other like lower lower tier characters. Yep. Um, the thing that I think of when I think of Spider Man Homecoming is that car scene. Like yeah. that's immediately where my my head goes. It was so good. Like it is so good. I haven't. It's it's been a while since I've seen a 
a a scene on film like that that was that tense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the most tense scene I've I've ever seen, but it was. You could see the Adrian Toomes like putting the pieces together. Like you, you never see that in any type of oh, like superhero yeah. media. Like the fact that he picked up on Peter's voice yeah. sounding familiar, I was like, okay, this I've not not seen before. Because um, they really just don't even acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, they don't like but, talk about like <laughs> you can like listen to them and like recognize. Yeah, them. yeah, you just pick it up, um, <laughs> with mask or not. <laughs> yeah, Batman doesn't have that problem. Cause, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so, and it was like a perfect combination of those characters as well because Peter's caught in between. Like you can eventually see Peter picking up that. Yeah, that he's Adrian like getting has it. picked up on it. Yeah, and then but he has to keep his composure because Liz, the girl he likes and is taking to the homecoming dance, is sitting right next to him. He doesn't want her to find out clearly, and then, you know, it's the the father daughter dynamic of why are you picking on this this guy? He's just taking yeah. me to yeah. the dance or whatever. She plays so it really well too. Yeah, her part. Yeah, it's man, it's so good. Like yeah. <laughs> all three of their performances are so good in it. Now that we're talking about it so much, I'm like, God, that was a good scene. <laughs> it, it really so was. Good. It really was. Even like starting with whenever Peter gets in the house, right? You know. Like when he first opens the door, oh my god! And it, there like, was an audible so like well. gasp in our theater, yeah. including myself. Yeah, I think it my my exact you. whispered words was "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't couldn't believe it. You just screamed like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I heard rumors that uh, that he was playing the father of one of the other characters oh, and yeah. the rumor I had heard was that it was Zendaya's character, which okay. we haven't even discussed. Sure. But, um, when like I had heard that that was just a rumor and eventually debunked, which is mm. true. Yeah. But go. he, he was a character or a character's father. Um, but it turned out to be Liz's. So when he opened that door, I, I was floored. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. This, yeah. this can't be good. And then, um, yeah, it was such a good reveal. Did you see that coming no, at all? No, it's funny. So first off, I wanted to say, like, Tom Holland in that scene, like, they both do great in the car, and and always, like, Michael Keaton is just a great actor, and, like, the, even the house scene, when he's not really, like, understanding it yet, he hasn't put it all together, it's still, like, a great, like, dad, and it's kind of all kind of weird or whatever, and, and knowing that Peter is so uncomfortable in that scene makes that whole scene play out completely differently, like... Uh, if you just watched it normally, if you didn't have the context, and you're just like, why is this kid being all weird or whatever? And then in the car, it becomes really cool for both of them because they're both like, it's like dawning on both of them. But that first scene, Tom Holland does such a good job of like keeping it together in the house. Um, but no, whenever that happened, I remember thinking in the theater like, huh, I should have seen this coming, I feel. Like, I feel like this isn't that off the wall that I should have thought about this before, but... I think that that's a, a, a testament to how good that they hit it, um, that that I didn't even think about it. I like he talked about his family the whole movie, and she never mentioned her parents. You just don't think about it. Like she's in high school, you don't think about her parents. He's doing his thing. You don't really think about his kids. They'd be connected at all. And I thought they pulled it off really well. It really like it threw me for a loop for sure. Yeah, I I feel the same way. Like there were hints 
you know, when, when Liz's parents were going to be out of town so they could have the party, he there was you you know, busy doing, doing something else. You know, he, he goes, quote unquote, out of town yeah. to do like some villain shenanigans. Wow. Then you can connect it. Yeah. That's funny. And there's, there's bound to be like a picture of him in that scene. We just didn't even notice. Right. Like early <laughs> on probably in the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Here's my dad holding all these vultures <laughs> that he found. <laughs> This is my dad's vulture collection right here. <laughs> a whole wall full of We're stuffed like, vulture heads. Didn't even notice. <laughs> um, the that that scene that you're talking about, where he where Peter goes to pick up Liz and he's invited in the house. Peter clearly knows that's um, that's Adrian Toomes, the the vulture character, yeah. but not the other way around. Yeah. So you're, you're right. Yeah, he, he has that kind of awkwardness to him, and he does it in such a way that it's humorous but also kind of cre- he's creeped out you yeah. know like i yeah. he, he kind of straddles that line like i heard some people mm-hmm. kind of like snickering when that was going on and it was a little bit funny when they were taking the photos but yeah. he kept looking he over to the side the yeah. at adrian but there was like some real like i don't know if they just held the shot long enough to where it like you could feel the tension yeah ratchet up a little bit sure. you know yeah, and I feel like that's it's. A, I, I laughed at some of those parts too, but it was like such like a nervous laugh, like it was like, ha, 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 ha this is funny, but yeah. it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, this is this is gonna get because you're you're feeling it from Peter's side, and you know what he knows, and so you're going into it from his side, and you're like, yeah, this is really fucking awkward. But then it's like those goofy moments when the dad is like, man, this kid's really weird. I don't know what my daughter sees in this kid. But you know, like more is going on there as the audience. So it's really it's a cool dynamic, yeah. and I, I, they they pulled it off really well. I feel. Yeah, and I didn't see the uh, the car ride coming either. Yeah. Like I just assumed that Peter was gonna pick her up, and they would just like yeah. walk to the dance, and then like maybe yeah. in his head or something, he would he would be thinking about the interaction. Yeah. But to have Michael Keaton actually drive them there, and then have that scene play out the way it did. Was yeah, I guess fantastic. In the house, I didn't really expect that to be the scene that Michael Keaton finds out. I was fully on board that that basically it was just the dynamic of Peter finally finding out that and like what would happen at the dance or whatever. But yeah, I didn't really expect that car scene to happen either. Yeah, um, the the way that dynamic played out was familiar in that from the previous iterations of you know, the Spider-Man films, and then from the comics, you know, Peter has a a friend or a, a schoolmate whose father is a supervillain, essentially. Oh, yeah. Most of the time, it's oh, yeah. it's a goblin-related character. Yeah, yeah. But this time, oh, yeah. It's, okay, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the vulture. So it's, it's kind of a classic trope, but kind of flipped around a little sure. bit. So it's not his best friend's father. In this case, it's his, um, his crush's father, yeah. who is a different one of his classic villains doing that. So I, uh, I like that. So you, you have a little bit of ta- a taste of that without it being, oh, here's Norman Osborn yeah. again. Yeah, and like, uh, so another thing we had talked about before this podcast uh, when we were talking about doing it is that I, I have my routine, like I mentioned before, of like how I look at movies and look at Rotten Tomatoes and movie reviews and stuff. But I wanted to kind of, you know, do the podcast first before I started looking at those. But I had already looked at some of the reviews. So one of the things I had looked at was all of these different um, Easter eggs that I had no clue about from the comics and whatever. Um, and some of them were about, like, her character was, like, 
that was like one of his love interests before Mary Jane was introduced was like a Liz something or whatever. Yeah. Um, Liz Allen. Yeah. Yeah. And like all these little things that like didn't really matter that much, but like, again, you can just tell the love, you know, dedication that went into this. That's, that's another thing that, or that's one of the reasons why it threw me off that Liz and um, Adrian Toomes were related yeah. is because in the comics, Liz, her last name is Allen, mm-hmm. A-L-L-E-N, but in the movie, I'm going to assume it's Toomes, yeah. <laughs> since yeah. that's her dad, yeah. right? So um, so that's one reason why it didn't connect. Yeah. It's like, sure. oh, these are sure. completely unrelated characters, which was masterful, yeah. like the way they pulled that off. Like, it's it's so good. It's so much better than what is in the comics, the way that they portrayed yeah. it here. It's just so, so well, well done. Well, it's great, like, after getting, you know, Mary Jane in the first trilogy and then... Um, uh, I forgot Gwen Stacy uh, Gwen and Stacey, the, yeah, the other getting one. her stuff in the second one. Um, it's like we don't need any of that, you know. Throw throw a lot of that out the window, and then the fact that they actually did pull a person in, like hit this love interest that was actually there before Mary Jane was there. It's like okay, this is pretty cool. Um, and as a non comic book reader, I had no clue about that. But like, there's a lot of other characters too that I heard about, like. Uh, potential stuff that might come down the road we're not sure about like um his best friend and stuff like ned might have some relation to things um donald glover you mentioned earlier like um his character is like the uncle of uh miles morales or something yeah who's the who's currently in the uh the main marvel universe yeah. in the comics along with peter they're they're both spider oh, okay. I men but uh like having him bring it in there and obviously like he had lobbied for a spider-man role you know years ago um, yeah there's so many little details like that where they're really cool that they brought those in mm-hmm. and donald glover when they had the uh the ultimate spider-man like cartoon series on disney xd he actually provided the voice for final oh, morales that's cool so or at least for for a portion yeah, of yeah. It. so Sweet yeah that was taste. that was pretty cool that he yeah yeah because I was, I was everybody gets a taste whenever he lobbied for it and then <laughs> didn't go anywhere. But then, uh, yeah, I know. But then with this, it's like it makes sense. Like, uh, and that was years ago, I think too. But um, with this, it's like they are obviously going for a much younger role um, for an actual like fifteen-year-old kid. Um, I mean, he's like nineteen or whatever in real life, but um, you know, he looks like he passes a, as an actual teenager, and uh, so that's cool. Oh, yeah. but it's, it's also nice yeah. that. Yeah, for Tom Holland, but it's nice that they got Donald Glover in there a little bit, and his role was so funny, too. But uh, all those little details and characters and stuff were really cool. Yeah, and, and Donald Glover, he, in the comics, or a version of the, the the continuity, he plays a character that becomes the Prowler, which is a kind of a, starts off as a kind of a super villain or, or rival for Spider-Man, but eventually becomes a more of like a hero. Yeah. Um, and cool. and kind of the the section of comics where Donald Glover's character is the the Prowler anyway. He he pretty much stays a villain, and Miles eventually has to fight him and defeat him. But um, but yeah, I mean, like really, they can kind of go whatever way they want to with it. I certainly hope they bring Donald Glover back because I, know. I, I thought he was great in this movie. <laughs> he was so great. Like. <laughs> he was. He just wanted to buy like a maybe a, a fancier gun. Yeah. And they showed him like all this crazy alien tech. He's like, I'm not trying to time travel or whatever he said. That was so good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he he was in two scenes. He was in that one, and then he comes back later where yeah. uh, Peter has the interrogation mode on oh and God. and everything is so such a funny scene. So good. But um, and then beyond that, 
so that's I guess technically a second villain or you know a, yeah. an introduction of one. Um, there's also I guess technically a couple of characters that take over the role of the Shocker. Yeah, um, I was just from the comics. That. Yeah. Yeah, and for some reason, I don't know why he's such a lame villain, but he's like one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like he, he looks like a he looks like a, a yellow and brown quilt. Yeah. Um, and uh, like the first in the in the movie, the first guy that plays him gets gets killed. Like they just mm. kill him, not even halfway through the movie, I think. Yeah. And then oh, the yeah. the oh, other yeah. character that that kind of picks up the the shocker mantle from him. Um, I like that he was a little more smart about things like he yeah. wasn't a major villain by any means but he does confront peter at a certain point yeah. um and he doesn't like he gets away i think yeah um but uh but yeah there there's no like stupid villains in this mm-hmm. which is kind of a trope for some movies anytime you have you have like the main villain and then you have like the dumb henchman yeah um yeah. and well which is fine it, it can yeah. be fun but it gets it's a little bit formulaic. Yeah, it gets formulaic, and then also, um, like when I was looking up stuff about this earlier before the podcast, I had looked stuff up about him, and the, you know they listed him as like the shocker, and they're like, yeah, he's like another villain. Like I read like a review from or like something before, like an announcement, like oh, we're gonna have the vulture, and we're, we're gonna have the shocker, and it made me think back to these, you know, like the Sam Raimi ones, or the especially uh, Amazing Spider-Man two, when it's like you had like Rhino and Electro and all these things, and it's like. You get like so many and a goblin, yeah, and it's like there's just like yeah, and, uh, yeah. There's so many of them, and I was like, having watched the movie and then read that, I was like, I wouldn't even say he's a villain, really. Like, he's a henchman, but he's his own person. Like, he, he has a name, he has like a weapon, but he he definitely feels like kind of like we were talking about Baby Driver um, earlier that he feels like a villain that kind of goes in and out and you're not really sure where he's going to play into it, but they didn't overload it and they didn't make him as just like a stupid henchman, like you said either. So I think they did, they did a good job with that. I hope they bring both him back and Donald Glover's characters for like subsequent mm-hmm. films in the, in the franchise and let them build up over a couple of movies. Like yeah, that'd be if, nice. if, if the shocker shows up in the next movie, we'll see him in like maybe his full costume and we'll be, it would just be like a continuing um, nemesis for him, yeah. for like yeah. maybe a, a fight scene here or there or, or something like that. Kind of like the way Killian Murphy was in all three of the, the Dark Knight that. trilogy. Yes. Really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Something like that um, to where it's it's a recurring villain and uh, gives, gives well, Peter something to do. Yeah, and even better than that, I would say like, because I was going to mention the Killian Murphy thing too, that like he's the scarecrow, but then he shows up as the scarecrow in dark Knight, like on the islands when everybody's like freaking out. Uh, I think is what it was. And then in the dark Knight rises, he's like the judge or whatever, yeah, um, yeah. leading everybody. And like, he just shows up like randomly, but it'd be really cool. Like you just said, it'd be really cool to kind of like he, they, the scarecrow, you know, was like, was like a partial villain and then kind of downgraded and he was just kind of there, but it'd be cool to like, see them build these people up a little bit piece by piece throughout the other movies. And then the show up again, um, throughout the thing would be really nice. Yeah. Kind of change of pace. Yeah. And then like the nature of superheroes in New York, um, you're going to end up fighting the same villains over and over yeah. anyway, which we don't Marvel kills off all of their villains. So we don't yeah. really see that. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, uh, maybe they could do something like that, uh, later down, down the road. Yeah. But, um, there are, 
Um, there are a few other things I wanted to bring up sure. uh, with you specifically. So in Civil War, we see kind of that brief glimpse of his kind of prototype suit that mm-hmm. he was using before Tony gives him his yeah. upgraded one. And we see that brought back here. And initially, because um, I'd seen some like, before I saw the movie, I'd seen um, the like Funko Pops uh-huh. of that costume coming back and everything. So I had a pretty good idea of what it looked like generally. And it does look like very homemade, which mm-hmm. makes sense. But also, I want if I go see yeah. a Spider-Man movie, I want to <laughs> see the Spider-Man costume, like the cool one, you know, yeah. cool costume. Yeah. But there's a like specific moment in, in the movie to where I became okay with it. And that's when I think he... I think he defeated the shocker at that point, and he mm-hmm. went to the the warehouse where, yeah, uh, Adrian was. Mm-hmm. And there's a sh- a shot that's like a wide shot of Peter on one side, and then mm-hmm. Adrian Toomes on the other, and it's like all, they're almost like off the screen. Yeah. it's such a wide shot. So I don't know how they're going to do that. And like when it airs on FX or whatever, you're probably gonna have one of those like those shitty like pan auto scan. pan yeah. type things. Oh god, it's gonna be so bad. But um, but there's just something about the way that shot was composed that it was like, okay, I like this. Yeah. Like his the way Tom Holland portrays Peter in that suit, and he's just like, you know what? This is my one chance to take down Adrian. I don't have my fancy suit anymore, but I'm I'm still Spider Man, so I'm gonna go handle my business mm. um that that really kind of helped me get over any reservations i had about his original homemade suit yeah. i still prefer the other one sure. but um sure. it, i was able to 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 deal with it well, <laughs> i guess yeah, and on that note too that you had mentioned earlier about um you know some people have a problem with tony designing the suit or whatever and his new one and to me i'm like this is the f- first and f- like it's like finally they explain this because you and I have talked about this in the past. Like the Raimi Spider-Man's, like they literally show him design this shit in class and then build this <laughs> like sweatpants suit, and he goes to the to the wrestling ring, and like the next scene, he's in this amazing suit out of nowhere that makes no sense. And it's like I don't know, like in comic book lore or whatever for Spider-Man, like how he goes from one to the other, or, like if they really go into that much detail of it, but. This made sense to me, and especially in the MCU, I feel like it it made sense overall, but it made sense that his only nice suit is going to be from Tony. Like, how else is he supposed to afford that shit? You know, know. or make it or anything. So I was like 100% on board. Yes, especially with the emotive eyes. I'm like, hey, if if we get the eyes out of it, let it be. Uh, His eyes were emotive like Deadpool's were, but like much larger on his face. Uh-huh. Um, and there's just like, there's something kind of like heartwarming about it, you know? Yeah. Um, even the, uh, the instant kill mode was uh, somehow, um, enduring. Enduring? Yeah. I know. Is that, <laughs> that the right word? Endearing. Endearing. That's Enduring. what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, because it's just like a quick thing and then it's like, it's funny and, and, uh, used yeah. humor, but, um, yeah, cause it's like, obviously that would be, that would be awful. Yeah, but to see that, but it, it was so funny and yeah, yeah endearing. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, also, like Deadpool, there was a ton of humor throughout it, but it was never like R-rated humor, which yeah. which shows that it can be done. I do like that Deadpool is R-rated, but 
you know, a, a movie can be funny. It fits for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the way they worked, so much humor. Into, like, you would think they would step up the humor between... Okay, well, well, let's back up. So the humor level between the Raimi Spider-Man movies and the Mark Webb Spider-Man movies was increased a little bit. Uh, Andrew yeah. Garfield's Spider-Man was, was a little bit funnier. So I was thinking maybe another incremental incremental step in humor on this one but this one was like so funny like throughout the whole thing it was so fucking funny just loved every second of it yeah and they and they i don't know like a lot of it was just it could have been in any movie or -hmm. like it didn't have to be in a spider-man movie like it was just funny for being funny yeah and fit with like like it could have just been like an awkward teenage coming of age story which is what they were going for from Mm -hmm. everything i heard and they really nailed it i thought um with the humor and, and just the awkwardness and everything. Yeah. Like whenever he and, and Ned are just watching her put up that banner and it's in the trailers and stuff too, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're just like staring at her and he's just like, so we stop staring now. And it's just like <laughs> so funny. And so like, yeah, that happens. You yeah. Know? Like it was so good. It, 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 yeah. They really hit the like teenage male experience with that yeah. side of things. Yeah. 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 Um, also sure. on, uh, in that same scene, um, I think that's when we meet Zendaya's character, Michelle. And yeah, I think so. She's kind of peppered throughout the movie. She's kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a presence here and there, but she doesn't really um, overpower any scenes. Um, yeah. she's, she has a lot of like humor to the stuff she says, but it's very yeah, kind she's of like... Yeah, like one-liners. Yeah, a lot of one-liners really kind of just laying in the background of scenes yeah. and like will chime in when she needs to. Um but I really liked her character. Uh, towards the end of the movie, we find out that her friends call her MJ, and I've yeah. I've read that um, it's really just the initials only. This is a different character. They just did the MJ to make her kind of feel feel a little bit familiar to to fans, which I'm totally cool with. Yeah, me too. Like, let's let's see something different. Like. How many girlfriends has he been through already that we've experienced as moviegoers? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm cool to see something different. Um, also, in a, a scene she was in, which was the uh, the one at the Washington Monument, one thing that I noticed was when Spider-Man ran over there, he had to climb the Washington Monument to get to the top of it because of um, MacGuffin going on up at the top where uh, where he had to go save the, the elevator at the top from crashing and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, but one thing you don't really see in, in movies like this is like it took him a while to get up there. Like even though he has superpowers, yeah. like he it, he was uh, climb, like a good 60% of the movie was him climbing yeah. the Washington Monument. But uh, he, he eventually got up there and then – Another thing we don't really see is him. He's so new to the powers that, and that's as high as he's ever been on on something. He he kind of gets a little bit woozy, a little bit, or not woozy, but he he gets a, a little bit of a sense of vertigo because you know even though he has these powers, that's still a, a long fall to the ground. Yeah, um, yeah. So and she even tells him like, "You don't have your parachute or whatever." <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, fall from this height would kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, Karen. Um, so I, no, I really, that goes back to earlier. You were talking about like, uh, you know, kind of the, where he's at, like he's walking, he has to like run across that field and yeah. it's also funny, but also like, I loved that, um, they, they specifically didn't do like the tall skyscraper, uh, flying, you know, like swinging or whatever, because 
we had seen it before, but um, I also feel like they did such a great job where where he was, like in Queens, where it's like he's like mostly on the ground or like that whole stuff when he's like in the suburbs and he's flying like through the trees and he like he like grabs <laughs> yeah. onto that treehouse and pulls it to the ground. <laughs> I fucking lost it, man. I was laughing so hard at that part. He destroyed uh, the whole neighborhood. The whole neighborhood. Yeah, the they're they're all so they're funny. all filing insurance claims, and they're all oh, they're God. all pissed because how are they going to claim it? It's like, oh, I, what, what I, I guess a superhero. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But it was also good. Like, and then yeah, you get to that part, and like that's like the tallest he's ever been before. It was on the Washington <laughs> Monument, yeah. and it's it was cool to bring him out as element. I remember in the trailers, I was kind of unsure about how that would play out, mm-hmm. like why he's there, and yeah. you know, like what the reasonings were, like why he's jumping over a helicopter. Like it was cool in the trailers to see like the the webbing wings or whatever. Yeah, but um, I and I thought that was neat because I had heard that was part of his old suit or like a, you know one incarnation of his suit in the comics. Yeah. Um, but in the movie, it makes total sense. And yep. then I'd also heard this thing about how they joked about, like, for years, I guess, when they draw Spider-Man and it looks like there's no buildings around him. Why is he in the air? Mm-hmm. They would always just joke that it's like a helicopter right off, right <laughs> off the, the screen or right off the panel or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, that's really funny that they pulled a lot of those things in there. But it makes sense in the movie, like, why he's there and mm-hmm. why he's at the monument and all that stuff. Like, I'm I'm totally on board for all of it. And, and it really worked, like for him being that, that high. And, uh, I agree too. like him getting to the top of that and how long it took. Like that scene was forever. <laughs> yeah. and it was, it was good though. Cause that's how it's going to be, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. In it, real life, it's going to take you a while. Yeah. He's not Iron Man. He can't just like fly up to yeah. the super tall yeah, exactly. pointed building. Um, and it's cool to show his, his, you know, um, I think I'm trying to think of the word, but like everybody has like their different, um, good things and bad things about their abilities or whatever. Yeah. And that's, you know, downfall of his or whatever that, Obviously, Iron Man can fly up there, but he's not. He doesn't have that capability. Yeah, he'll he'll get there as fast as he can, as fast as he's capable. Yeah, exactly. um, a, and also, as fast as a spider. <laughs> also, there um, the reason they're in DC is because they were going to a um, what is it? it's like a uh, not like, like mathletes, yeah, an academic yeah, like competition, a, decathlon uh, or something. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's what it is, and. That's where we see the the gold jacket that is in a lot of the, uh, the the posters. And when I saw the posters, I didn't question it. I was just like, "Oh, he just has like a, a gold jacket in the movie." Like I didn't think anything of it, but that ties into him being in high school and also him being smart enough to be on the decathlon yeah. team yeah. and everything. So, um, and also being chill enough to just lay around in it on his in yeah, his spider right. suit and everything. Well, not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then okay, so. That was some of the stuff I want to talk to you about. And then I wanted to see if you noticed a couple of what I call sure. Sonyisms. Okay. So there were oh, okay. there, there were two specific Sonyisms that I, I caught. Yeah. I, actually, two and a half. Uh, the half one I was going back and forth <laughs> on was the, the movie opens without the Marvel, uh, the Marvel Studios, like, uh, yeah. uh, fanfare and uh, that, like, logo presentation. Uh-huh. I didn't um, even notice. Yeah, that I, I watched for that because like, are they? Yeah, I is, usually do. But is yeah, this going to be bad? Yes, <laughs> that's that was yeah. my determination. <laughs> but it, it it jumps right into the the vulture thing. I was like, oh man, I guess we're not going to get that. Yeah. Like, to that's me, true. that's like this movie's going to be a failure. Sony doesn't want to acknowledge the MCU. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a disaster. But then like right after that scene, we get that whole like we get the the fanfare and everything. Um, 
It's set to a different song, though, I think. Maybe? Maybe not. Yeah, no, you know what it is. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I can't recall. But, um, so so, the, the fanfare was there, but just not at the beginning? Is that what you're... Yeah, it was, it, it was... Normally, like, okay. the, the Marvel movies start off... It's like starts off. Yeah, starts off with that, and then you get yeah. to the beginning of the movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, this one was like, it was inside of the movie, so that yeah. was a reassurance to me. Is like, Sony's like, hey, you know, we fucked up, okay? Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to hit you again, but... Um, here's here's this you know it's it's ingrained in the film itself yeah. so you can't yeah. separate it um so Guys, it's okay <laughs> yeah. yeah here's here's pictures of the hulk and captain america inside this fanfare <laughs> you'll be fine <laughs> so beyond that um the the two sonyisms i saw uh the first one was when he was at the beginning of the film he was kind of like swinging around helping people and whatnot he which i loved because it was just him kind of like traipsing around the city, being Spider-Man. That's what he, do, or what he does. He goes on patrols and whatnot. Um, at a certain point, he lands in a building, and he's talking to two, two guys on the ground. One of them's holding a boom box. And uh, the guy, I think the other guy's in a magazine stand. And the guy in the magazine stand tells him to do a backflip to prove he's Spider-Man, which is like he's wearing the costume oh, on top yeah. of a building. <laughs> like maybe he's Spider-Man, you know? <laughs> the backflip's going to prove it. But Tom yeah. Holland can do a backflip, so why not? But yeah. in, in that scene, they have Spider-Man swing into that building in the frame in front of an American flag, which is in, like, all the other Spider-Man movies. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Like, and then in the, uh, the Civil War movie, I, I had heard a rumor that if Spider-Man is used, he has to be holding Captain America's shield, which yeah, is yeah, a I'm version of the American before. flag. So yeah. I don't know what it is with Sony and Spider-Man <laughs> and the American flag, but whatever. It, it, it looks cool, I guess. Um, so I had heard about it for the first ones because it happened right after nine eleven. Yeah, and which makes sense. You know, like they had, had like um, they had something with like the World Trade Center initially in the movie, and they had to like take it out because they fell, and it was all awkward. But I, yeah. I was wondering, like, did they keep that in there like since then because it's kind of like an homage to like that first movie. I don't know. Like, it's definitely like, I don't. He's definitely American, but not any more than anybody else in the MCU. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, like, now that he's in the MCU, like there, is, there is a more patriotic superhero than him now. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, his costume is red, white, and blue, but yeah. otherwise, you know. But whatever, it's fine. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so the, the second Sonyism I saw is that at the end of battle, the hero has to remove their mask. Like, and that, that, oh, was, yeah. that was present in some of the earlier... MCU films, but they uh-huh. they kind of tapered off with that a little bit. With um, yeah, I really noticed it in the MCU. Yeah. Um, with like the Avengers, they were mostly like in costume. Um, it's not like um, oh uh, my god, I'm drawing a blank tonight like a motherfucker. Um, <laughs> I know right? the guy who plays uh, Bruce Banner. Um, what is the actor's no, name? I'm too. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Yeah, it, it's not like it's not like in the final battle, like before Loki gets defeated, he turns back into Bruce Banner just so Mark yeah. Ruffalo can be in that final scene. No, he's like the whole gotcha. entire time, um, and you know some other things. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so Peter has to be fully unmasked. So you see, Tom Holland is you know defeating the Vulture. Um, he's here. He's here, yeah. guys. We're paying money for him. He is here. Yeah. Um, and he can do backflips. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> but one thing that goes against the grain of a lot of Sony and even Marvel Studios films is 
the villain didn't die in it. Like the vulture is in prison. He, I yeah. had assumed that he was going to blow up, but no, Peter. I was glad dug, that worked out. Yeah, yeah he, he dug him out of the smoking fiery rubble and yeah. uh, and and saved him. Which I assume in the mid credit scene is why Adrian doesn't give up his yeah. give up the fact that he knows who he is. Yeah, so let's get into that because I'd heard a lot of people, you know, think like he when he's asked like, "Do you know Spider Man's true identity?" and he's like, "No," or whatever. Um, my sense of that was exactly yours. Like he had saved his life. Like that was part of the whole conversation of the car mm-hmm. um, was about like, okay, you know, you like she's I don't remember what it was in the car, but it's like you know, you, you saved, saved my, my daughter, life, whatever, blah blah. Yeah, you saved my daughter. That's yeah. right. Yeah, from the Washington Monument. And it's like, I feel like he really is. Like, he's not so much of a villain. Like, he's a complex character, and mm-hmm. he is really trying to do best by his family and this yeah. weird economy that's mirroring our economy, but even worse because everything's falling apart around them and aliens are there, um, <laughs> destroying the, you know, trying to destroy the world. And uh, I feel like it's kind of like the, he's like, he's the villain of the times. You know, he, he created himself to just do a job, essentially. Yeah. And whenever he says that, about Peter, like I feel that that's true, and when Peter saved his life, and then he doesn't reveal later, like that's how I took it. Was like he's not saving Peter for himself later on. Like I've heard some people say, like I yeah. just took it as like Peter saved his life, yeah, and so he's not gonna he's not gonna ruin it for him. You yeah, know, like, he is an honorable guy, but he's also a bad guy. Yeah, I feel like that interpretation is consistent with, the, like you said, the the earlier scene in the car where he yeah. was grateful for saving Liz. I'm going to give you one last chance, and yeah. we'll, we'll call it even. Um, so I think this is his version of that. Yeah. So uh, that's how I'm, I'm going to take it. Well, I guess we'll maybe yeah. find out in, in the future how that plays out. But I, I had a friend at work today who said that he really wished that, or he hopes that he'll come back for the mm-hmm. sequels. Yeah. And kind of like we were saying with like Donald Glover and all that stuff and how they build it up, I was like, if he does, that's cool. But because I liked Michael Keaton so much in this role, but if he doesn't, I'm totally okay with that too. Like yeah. I think this was a good one-off story. Yeah. Um, obviously, in that same credit scene, uh, from what I'd heard about from that other character that asked him about that, he could be like the scorpion. Yeah, I think is what he's called. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> he's got a scorpion tattoo on his neck. Uh, oh, much, yeah, yeah. much like bats <laughs> had bats on his uh, his neck. <laughs> yeah, see the parallels are all there. <laughs> Spider driver, baby man. But yeah, <laughs> I could see like that'd be cool. Like I could see that coming into play. Yeah. But um, I was like, no, I think like the Michael Keaton thing and the Vulture thing to me is done. Like yeah. he he had his thing. He was he was a villain only because Spider Man took him to be a villain. Mm-hmm. more than anything like otherwise he was low on the radar like he wasn't on the radar of the avengers and yeah he was doing his own thing trying to support his family in a bad way but um i also feel like once everything was done in this movie like i'm cool with that storyline being over yeah um and i definitely don't think that he was harboring any more ill intentions towards peter yeah you know outright um because he my, saved him i mean yeah my my initial inclination at that scene was oh well in the comics, he's the vulture is part of the Sinister Six, and the Scorpion mm-hmm. approached him and said, "Hey, I've got a posse here that's ready to go with some tech, so they could essentially form a Sinister Six if you know all these other characters got together." But which Sony has talked about doing, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean that that arc for Michael Keaton seems like it's been completed at that point. So if yeah. he just in 
you know, our headcanon from this point forward, if he just is in prison the rest of the time, maybe bunked up with Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2, <laughs> which would be awesome. I um, love that to be like a one-shot. I keep hoping that they bring, <laughs> they bring him back um, just because I love, I love Hammer, I, man. I, I so love funny. that character so much. He does such a good yeah. job with it. Um, but uh, always, Sam Rockwell's always getting everything. Oh, man, so funny. So funny. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so uh, I think that is more or less everything that I had on yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. So um, do you want to do the Rotten Tomatoes on it? Yes. Okay. So I have no idea with this one at all okay. um, where it's at. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm intrigued. I had, I had seen... Before or uh, after it came out, I was just kind of looking through a bunch of like stuff about it, um, and I came across the Rotten Tomato score at the time. I don't know what it is currently, but okay. I'll I'll let you, you go saw f- it at one point. Yeah, I'll let you go first, and then I'll tell you what I think I saw at that time, and then we'll we'll look at the actual score. I think it's gonna be high. I think I think this movie is going to be solid, and I think people, I think critics, critics are going to like it a lot. But I think a lot of this stuff was also fan service, so maybe it wouldn't yep. get as high. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go 80s. I think I think high 80s. So I'm going to say like an 80. I'm going to say like 85, 87, somewhere in there. Okay. All right. So when I guess. when I saw the score, like I said, it was like the weekend after. Or I'm sorry. The the we saw it that Saturday, so it was that following uh, Monday or maybe Tuesday. I just saw the Rotten Tomato score, and at the time, I believe it was at a ninety-three. So I'm going to check. Wow, see, that's good. I'm going to check Rotten Tomatoes right now, and it is still at a ninety-three. So oh, okay, wow, yeah, that's so it's, it's better than I thought. Um, for comparison's sake, and I know we're not currently discussing this movie, but maybe next, <laughs> but maybe next time, Wonder Woman is at a ninety-two. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, okay, um, we and, should discuss that movie actually. Yeah, That'd be a good one. Um, yeah. that is way too high. Yeah, for that movie. Wonder, for for the people who are listening to this, um, Stephen and I thought Wonder Woman was overrated, and um, yep, I I, I, I I that's putting it nicely. <laughs> it's not a woman thing. No, 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 it's no, no, not not, I'm totally not at all cool with her. No, I it's it's, it's definitely movie, the the best movie of all the. DC extended universe movies, yes, uh, by yes. far. But it is; it still has its its flaws. Um, from what, so, under, what uh, sorry, go for, ahead. For this though, and kind of the same thing with Rotten Tomatoes. So a ninety two, and last I had looked at Wonder Woman, she was like uh, that movie's like a ninety three as well. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, at the time I looked at it, Iron Man is at a ninety four, and it's the highest rated of the MCU. Oh, really? Okay. And. And so, like, you know, 93 for Spider-Man, and that's awesome because Iron Man is always looked at as, like, the highest, you know, caliber still of the MCU, essentially. Yeah. Um, even though I don't really agree with that, I, I, I think Winter Soldier is probably my favorite. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, right on. But um, And Winter Soldier is up there, but um, when I whenever I saw that Wonder Woman had, like, one percentage point less than uh, Iron Man, it has, like, the same or one less than The Dark Knight. 
And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> um, but Spider-Man, I don't know if Spider-Man's up there. I, I think Spider-Man, same thing with, like we were talking with Baby Driver, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, it's going to need a, a couple of rewatches for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to, it's it's another movie that I couldn't stop thinking about. Um, I listened to the soundtrack at work today, all day long. Oh, really? Uh, on Spotify, yeah, because it's just so good. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to write my review for it, and I was like, I need to get in the mode, but um, in the mood and everything, but... Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think it'll be higher as I go along, but I'm surprised. I'm glad that it's uh, 93. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hope it stays there. Um, the, <laughs> I, in Rotten Tomatoes, I, on the search feature, I typed in Iron Man and it had a little franchise thing that popped up that says Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it has not yes. just, not just MCU films, but it has, um, some of the like Iron Man animated movies and stuff like that in there. Okay. Um, yeah. the, However, the first movie that shows up is <laughs> is The Man in the Iron Mask featuring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, and John Malkovich. So didn't even try. Didn't even, didn't even try, guys. That's it has the amazing. words Iron and Man, so I guess that's, that's what like, they were talking got about. It. Uh, but yeah, no, Iron... It's a prequel to the MCU, right? <laughs> Everybody knows. I'm pretty sure of it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's much earlier in the franchise. But uh, yeah, you are correct. The... The first Iron Man movie has a 94%, uh, which kind of surprises me. I would have figured that... I think it was just at the time, it was so shocking how good it was. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like kind of stuck there, but yeah. Avengers is a 92, so not not too far off from it. Um, But uh, but yeah. Um, So, and and you had mentioned just a, a second ago, what... Where does Homecoming fall in your, like, maybe top three or top five? Man, or does it even idea. make it in there? No, it, uh, I think it certainly does. Um, it's probably my top three, but I can't think of all my top three necessarily. Um, I'm, 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 I'm partial to the Iron Man series as a whole, um, and I know a lot of people are because Robert Downey Jr. is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when that one came out, I remember specifically the trailers for Iron Man and being like, I don't care for this character at all. I don't know this character at all. Mm-hmm. And whenever Iron Man came out and it blew me away, I was like, it blew me away because I didn't expect much from it. Right. And the fact that, like, that's when, like, the MCU instantly solidified itself for me was, like, that it could take a character that I didn't know about and I was into movies and comic books enough like you know, more than the average Joe. Yeah. And the fact that I was like, I didn't even care for this, and they've completely swayed me. So I, I really liked Iron Man two. I know a lot of people don't. I really like Iron Man three a lot because I love Shane Black, mm-hmm. uh, the director of that one. Um, but I think and the Captain America series too. Like those two series, I think are just really stellar. Um, and I think that Winter Soldier is probably my number one. I would probably say Iron Man has been my number two. Um, and I like the other ones enough. Um, I really like the Avengers. It just has such like a rewatchability factor yeah. to it. And it's just so cool to see everybody together. Um, but I think Spider-Man's probably going to knock one of those Iron Man or, Iron, or Avengers out for me. Um, so what, like top three, I think it's probably my third favorite of the, of the Marvel. That's pretty the good. MCU, yeah. Um, for you. Real quick on Captain America: Winter Soldier, it has an 89, 89 on Rotten Tomatoes. So See, three, oh three points, okay. three points shy <laughs> of Wonder Woman. Of Wonder Woman. Now the uh, Captain America: The First Avenger 
which has a let's just say a lot in common with Wonder Woman. Um, sure. Has an eighty. You mean that Wonder Woman stole a lot of stuff from it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's go. Let's go. Let's put an actor named Chris in a plane and have him yes. fly to his demise. Um, yeah. yeah. So the first Captain America movie is an eighty. Eight zero on Rotten Tomatoes, and see, I'm cool with that. And as much as I think that um, some of the effects are kind of weird in that movie, yeah, um, it, the way it's shot you know, is is a little yeah. a little bit old timey. Yeah, if that makes but sense, it like kind of fits in the same sense. Um, and uh, it actually took me a little while um, to get really to really love the first Captain America movie mm-hmm. because of that and some other little things. But um, so I could actually see. That one being in eighty or in the eighties, but um, Wonder Woman should definitely be below that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. Um, I, I try to be nice to some of my coworkers who really like the movie, and they're women as well. And to them, that's like finally we got one, you know. So yeah. I, I'm, I totally get. I'm yeah. totally fine with that. Like, and you had mentioned you wanted to support it. If anything, you knew it was shit. You wanted to support it. You know, because you want like a Black Widow movie, and you know we all want just a little more of that kind of same diversity thing. You know, um, yeah. and I'm like fine. These characters are there, but yeah, I'm, I'm fine with them. Movies for them. Yeah, I'm fine with them making you know a Wonder Woman two, three, four, whatever they want to do, and hopefully the movies just get like better over time as DC kind of figures out their end of things. From what I understand, Patty Jenkins had to go through a lot of like shit to get this movie made. So hopefully a lot of those arguments with the studio are nullified and she can just do her thing. And maybe that will cut out some of the stuff that I thought were cheesy in, in Woman, uh, Wonder Woman. But, um, yeah, we're going to we'll talk about this another yeah, time. Yeah, though, yeah we'll, we'll just talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. Definitely do. Okay. Uh, so, uh, are we going to do the, yeah, the, I, in, the scale on, uh, yeah. Well, first, uh, MCU, uh, rankings, what would you, uh, Oh, for me. Okay, um, this is going to be easy because as we were walking out <laughs> out of the theater, my my dear darling wife Brandy asked me if if I liked the movie. Well, I I asked her if she liked it, and she said, "Yeah, I thought it was good." And then she asked me if I liked it, and I said, "I fucking loved it." Like yeah. this, this this is going to be my new number one. Like before that, it yeah, was yeah. Winter Soldier, um, and then maybe. Avengers or uh, Civil War after that, but yeah, this is this is my new number one. This is like everything I could have asked for in a Spider-Man movie, and literally more because we've got like all the crazy like yeah. suit shenanigans and whatnot. But um, yeah, I I thought it was great. I cannot wait for it to be released on uh, on VHS. Well, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, too, I think that as I watch more, uh, uh, like watch it again or whatever, it might. Jump up the list a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's another one of those I, I really very need to watch slowly again to, it will to jump really up. I feel it'll take a while to get to the top of your list, but <laughs> it will right. get there eventually. It'll slowly crawl its way. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, so I agree with that. So yeah, one to ten. What do you think? One to t- well, I, I have to give it a ten out of ten. Like just yeah. based, I'm I'm doing my scale on enjoyment factor because I can't yeah. really okay. compare movies. I just don't have the sure. <laughs> knowledge to do so. Yeah. So for me it was a ten out of ten. Like there's not anything about the movie I didn't I didn't like. There might have been some flaws here or there, but I was easy easily able to overlook some of those flaws. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm all about it. I gave it a ten out of ten. If it I'll give it a a thirty six hundred out of ten. 
Yeah, as I'm much as you can possibly give it. Breaking my own scale. That's the highest number I could think of, by the way. <laughs> That's where numbers in for me. You count good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I started, so I, I try to write these little reviews, and I did my Baby Driver one earlier, and I was trying to do my Spider-Man one, and I, I really couldn't get there. Sometimes I had to get in, um, it's like a certain vibe, certain mood or whatever to kind of write my reviews and stuff mm-hmm. and try to really figure it out what I want to say and uh, so I couldn't figure it out but I still same thing with Baby Driver I, I thought of an 8 out of 10 mm-hmm. uh, but very very much borderline a 9 and I think the more that I watch both of those movies they're going to go up to a 9 but for now I'm going to say an 8 uh, there were a few things with Spider-Man that I feel um, it's weird it's like it's not nothing was lacking uh, I'm not really sure what I could have wanted more, um, mm-hmm. so I'm actually not sure why I would vote any more, like or any like less than a ten out of ten. Yeah. Um, but I need to. It's like I almost need like a little more time with it, you know, mm-hmm. to really like give it a real good judgment. So yeah, I'm gonna stick with an eight for now, but uh, definitely a nine. I'm guessing in the future. Yeah. So uh, that's still an eight is a hell of a uh, hell of a ranking yeah. there. And people come to us for for the rankings. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Everybody wants to know what we think. Sat here this whole time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I tried, so uh, it'd be good to do like a little little segment of of how I gauge movies and stuff. I talked a little bit earlier about how I, you know, I'll look at one that I rated a six or an eight or whatever, and I'll try to compare it to another one of the same ranking and try to be like, should I adjust this or whatever? But um, I have some. I have like a a loose goal of mine that I kind of give to each number Mm -hmm. and eight is generally like eight is going to be like this movie is really like phenomenal. It's great. It's, it's anything I could give it. Um, a nine is going to be like that extra step above where there's just something special about it. And that 10 is something that's just like gets me to my core. Right. Um, so I try not to give a lot of tens. Um, sometimes I even do though. Sometimes I ruin my own scale, <laughs> 30, you know, 3,600 or whatever, like you said. Um, but in general, uh, a 10 is going to be pretty rare for me. Um, an, an eight is going to be really good, and a nine is going to be this like, extra little bit. So I think I think this movie has that extra little bit. All of the heart. Um, Tom Holland is as perfect a Peter Parker and a Spider Man as I could, probably could have possibly hoped for. Yeah. So uh, and I think you'd agree, right? From what you've talked about him too, mm-hmm. like he just fits this this mode um, better than anybody else has in the past. Yeah, he just down to the accent, that character. like the Queen's accent and everything. It's just yeah. he he really like went the extra step beyond yeah. instead of just having like a, um, a mid level like Hollywood version of English, I guess. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's region based over there. So yeah, yeah. it's so, yeah. it's just all he was just great and and every aspect of it. So mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so that special factor I think will bounce up a little bit as I get to watch more of it. So. I agree. All right. So, uh, what are we? What are you watching, reading, listening to lately? Any recommendations for anybody? Yes, I've got a, a couple of recommendations. Um, first one is going to be a comic because that's just who I am as a person. Sure. I, I am. A, I'm actually for the first time going through and reading the uh, Vertigo series Preacher, which is an, a, oh, a, yeah. a, a show on a. Uh, was it AMC right AMC? now? AMC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I've only seen the pilot of Preacher. I just fell behind on my viewing and kind of lost track of it as it was airing. But um, the the comic series, I'm going back and I've read like the first the first two volumes. I remember reading and putting on like a separate shelf that I've read them. 
but it's like a nine uh, nine volume series, and um, you know, I it, it'd been like three or four years ago since I read the first two, so I thought I'll gotcha. go back and reread them. First one, I remembered some stuff. The second one, about halfway through, I was like, I don't know that I read the second half of this book, but I cannot for, <laughs> for the life of me remember or think of a reason why I would just like, well, I've read half of this, now I'm done, and then like put it up. So I must have done it, and I just completely forgot. It's kind of like uh, World's End that we talked about earlier, where it's just like, oh, this totally either didn't happen or I remembered it differently. Um, but I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between volumes four and five of Preacher and man, it is so good. Like I feel, feel bad that I waited this long to read it, but, um, it's, it's different than I thought it would be. Um, it's a very, it's a a series that deals with religion quite a bit, but, um, and I thought it was Vertigo or Vertigo is a imprint of DC comics that uh, usually deals with more mature themes or adult type of content, not like pornography, but um, like Why the Last Man that that you've read. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so uh, they use like adult language and, um, you know, they have more like sophisticated stories there. Um, So I was expecting something to be kind of in that vein, but this actually has quite a bit of like humor to it. Sometimes it's like black humor um, in the... The volume I just read, one of the villains, uh, he's a bald guy. He confronts the the main protagonist, um, and they get into a like a a, a scuffle. And uh, the protagonist actually takes a knife and kind of carves a crack down the center of the bald guy's head. <laughs> and I at the time I was reading, it, I didn't notice because he had like blood pouring down his face and just looks like a wound. Didn't think about it, but later in the series like in the next volume you see the guy and he's the villain is troubled because not only does he have to go back and like he has to like get the 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 protagonist of the story and convert him to his ways but he also has a struggle with like getting a wig or hats now (laughs) because otherwise if he just stands there his head looks like a dick because it has that slit in the top of it. And that's like literally something that's said in the book. That's like one of his concerns. Is his head looks like a giant penis now. So That's um, fantastic. And there's um, three different pages in particular. They're, they're all three nine-panel grids, and they're kind of split up through a couple of different issues in the, the volume. But first one is a picture of uh, the guy looking at his own reflection in the mirror, and it's just that nine times, and then at the bottom... He just kind of grunts that, like, I, you know, I have to do something with this. This crack yeah. down my head. And then in the <laughs> second set of nine panels, in each one, he has a different wig on. And they're all just like these crazy-ass wigs that uh, his assistant bought for him. And then the last one, he tries on all these different hats. And he finally settles on the one for him. But it is so well-paced and so well done. All the characters are, like, super interesting. Um, did you ever watch Breaking Bad? Okay. You know how on Breaking Bad it had like a, I wish I could figure out the formula for it to put it in my own like comics that I do, but Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad is one of those shows where, um, you know, you, you're interested in the primary characters. So Walt and then by extension, Jesse, but then there are other side characters that whenever 
whenever a scene with Walt and Jesse is done and it jumps over to another set of characters, you get into them. And then when it jumps back to Walt and Jesse, you're like, well, wait, I want to go back to those other characters because I'm now yeah. I'm fully invested in that. That's how Preacher sure. is. You like get invested in all of the cool. side characters and everything and can't, can't recommend it, uh, recommend it highly enough. So definitely check it out. Steven, yeah, that's Steven a... you check it out. <laughs> I will because yeah. you recommended it. And that's the only way I read comics is when you recommend to me. I've heard really good things about that show, though, and I've been wanting to check it out. Um, but yeah, I, I think haven't the, seen any of it. So. I think the first season is on Netflix, if mm-hmm. I recall. That'd I mean, that's, cool, that yeah. seems to be consistent with like how they do The Walking Dead, so I'd imagine yeah. it's on there. But yeah, so, I yeah. want to check that out. But um, the book, too, would be great to read because mm-hmm. I've heard good things about both. So yeah. that's cool. All right. What about uh, what about you? What are you? What do you have going on? Uh, so I'm going to recommend Crashing, uh, which is a a, sh- a British show on Netflix. Um, I played the first episode oh, for yeah. you recently, but yeah. uh, I don't remember uh, a, a lot of it. That... For some <laughs> reason, yeah. How weird. <laughs> it might have been my birthday. It might have been a lot drunk. <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it's a show that uh, man that I, I I'd found on Netflix because they had premiered it, and I just saw it on their queue or whatever, and I gave it a shot. And then immediately thought Amanda would like it. Um, it's really quick. It's just like a 30-minute show, and there's only six episodes, so it goes really fast. We watched it in one night and then immediately started over the next night because it was so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like – it's really like – it's not over the top like dirty or anything like that. It's just um, – they do a lot of quirky, weird jokes. Uh, it's basically about uh, a group of people that – live in a dear like hospital they pay a small amount of rent so they are like the caretakers of the hospitals because it's like abandoned um so nobody like robs it or squats in it or whatever but it's kind of like this the misadventures they get into and the weird quirky characters that live there and it's so off the wall and crazy and hilarious and i just we just both just like thought it was so funny and so original um and it's really cool one of the main actresses that it's in it wrote it as a play and then it got picked up as a series on netflix she has another series I've heard about on Amazon. Um, it's kind of the same thing, like six episodes, so we won't watch that. But uh, I just thought it was really funny and really good and really original. So yeah. I, I would check it out. Sure. And uh, one of our friends, Chris, he said that he started watching the rest of the series yes. afterward. I he said that at night, yeah. He said that it gets pretty crazy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to oh, go back yeah, and it's rewatch it. Pretty insane. And it's just, yeah, just a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. So Nice. Noise. All right. Um, did you have anything else to recommend? Uh, yes. Yeah. Watching? One other thing I wanted to recommend, and um, it's kind of weird for me because I typically don't get into <laughs> this kind of thing, but it's a TV show. Um, my wife, Brandy, and I, we love to watch Big Brother on CBS when it comes oh, out, yeah. like annually, uh, each summer, I guess. And otherwise, we don't watch CBS at all. This is like the one thing we watch <laughs> on CBS. And... Um, it's like a reality competition show. All these, I think there's like 14 or 16 different strangers get put in a house together and then they have all these competitions they have to go through. And um, normally it's, you know, it's kind of fine or kind of fine early in the season um, and it gets pretty good like towards the end of it. But what stands out for me in particular is this season like really started off with just like super dramatic people <laughs> just just being yeah. dicks to each other right away um and uh yeah i mean i i can't recommend it highly enough like if if you're into that sort of thing um yeah. so it's and it just started i think a couple of weeks ago 
for the most. So it just kind of started the season. So people are cool. looking for something. I definitely check that out. Because it's, it's already batshit crazy. It is already. It's already insane. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's so good. good already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you have any uh, anything we need to plug? Social media or anything like that? Um, yeah. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Brent Hibbard. Uh, that's B-R-E-N-T-H-I-B-B-A-R-D. And you can find me there. Same thing on Instagram. Um, I post a lot of drawings and whatnot on there. So come check it out. <laughs> and um, I am not on most social media. I have a Twitter that I never post to. I have an Instagram I have never posted to ever. But you're MySpace. Um, but I, <laughs> I probably do have a MySpace still somewhere. <laughs> um, my main thing that I wanted to plug that I do, um, I'm fairly active on, is uh, letterboxd.com. And that is L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. There's no E-D. Uh, letterboxd.com. And I am Stephen Fisher 22 S-T-E-V-E-N. F-I-S-H-E-R, uh, 22 little numbers. And uh, I post these little reviews on there. I basically make them Twitter length, so they're 140 characters or, or less. Um, I just put my rating 1 out of 10, and then I kind of put my little reviews on there. So um, it's my way to keep it kind of short and just kind of get my ideas out there. That's why I was trying to write the Spider-Man Homecoming review earlier, and it's kind of hard for me because it's actually easier to write a whole lot about something or talk about it for two hours like we just did, <laughs> but uh, it's a lot harder to make that into a you know, short one or two sentences. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, kind of where I post all of my movie reviews and keep up with all that stuff, just uh, keep track of that for myself and whoever else wants to look at it. Sounds good. All right, so that's all I got. Anything else? I, I think that's it. I think that was a pretty... Pretty okay for for first. That's pretty first okay. I'm pretty okay about it. First and final <laughs> podcast. <laughs> As we talked about earlier, yeah. this was our one and glorious only. Yes. <laughs> no, hopefully we uh, we do more of these because it was a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I'm I'm up for it. I'll have to come up with some uh, some new stuff for next week. Uh, I don't think we're yeah. going to the movies <laughs> this weekend, but I know. Um, well, maybe we can talk about Wonder Woman instead. Yeah. Oh, we yes. We can do a, uh, uh, a DC, and by DC, we just mean Wonder Woman because it's the only movie we can talk about. Yeah. Because uh, everything else has below, like, a 30 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And I don't care to watch anything under 30. And, uh, but yeah, maybe Wonder Woman. We'll talk about it later, but that'd be, that'd be good times. Okay. Yeah, we, we'll, uh, we'll pencil that in for uh, the next, next episode then. At least briefly, <laughs> we can talk about good. it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, other than that, we're out, and uh, hope everybody has a good day. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.